What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. It is Tuesday, March 30th, and today we have a very special guest joining us from her quarantine, her cozy quarantine, all the way in Istanbul. She is the only member of her team yet to catch COVID, so I think we need to applaud that. She is a member of our women's national team, a former Michigan Wolverine, and her name is Jen Cross. Jen, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I am okay, which in 2021, okay is fantastic. Yeah, like my my team is currently going through another COVID outbreak. And so I so far have tested negative this round. So we'll see. I'm still waiting on some more results, but who knows? Has your vitamin D intake been high? Is, is this why you're, 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 you're staying I don't... safe? I haven't, I mean, I'm, I've been pretty careful since the pandemic started a year ago. Like I've been one of those people, like I still wash my groceries. I still like change clothes completely. I know, I know it's ridiculous. I know you don't have to, but I can't help it. Um, I've been like fully exposed. Like the second time, this is the fourth time my team has gotten a COVID outbreak, which is insane. But the second time we are on a bus trip. Um, our longest away match and we were six hours into the road trip when we got an email saying one of our players who was on the bus had tested positive and we were halfway <laughs> through the trip so we we stopped we turned around and drove all the way back to Istanbul and the people directly in front of me and beside me who weren't wearing masks because we were on the team bus both ended up testing positive and I never got it wow and like I did multiple tests. I don't have antibodies. Like I did not get it. So it's been this like joke all year. And now I'm the last person on my team who hasn't gotten it still. So okay. I don't know. So, I don't know what I'm doing. So we need to take you and do some testing and figure out whatever's going on with you. And we're just going to inject it in everyone else in, in volleyball. That's, exactly. that's essentially what we have to do here. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's my blood or what happened. I'm apparently immune right now. Who knows? Dude, Watch. Well, I'll get a positive test <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like during this podcast, you're going to get an email being like, yeah. uh, sorry, Jen, you need. I'm actually, it should be tonight. So like that would be pretty entertaining if I, if I got the result live, that would be hilarious. All right. But also well, terrible. let's like part of me hopes for that, but then a larger part of me hopes that, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't come back positive because yeah. I mean, I'm about 50 52 yeah. so don't worry to be honest It'd be entertaining. I, I'm 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 pretty sure I got it but in like February because I was in in mm. I was in Vancouver in, in February and you know, a bunch of people that I knew in the volleyball world were, were all getting sick and mm -hmm. um, like multiple of my friends were telling me like oh like this is the sickest I've been and this is when we were just starting to hear about coronavirus but like it wasn't in yeah. Canada. Well, we didn't know it was in Canada, but that, but like since then, like we've done, they've done tests and they found traces of coronavirus on the West Coast in like in like yeah. 2019, right? So yeah, I'm pretty sure I got it, but ah, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're okay. Um, all yeah. of the, all of Thank this you. came though on the heels of you doing and your team doing something pretty amazing. You guys won the 2021 CEV Challenge Challenge Cup, which first of all, congratulations for that because that is Thank awesome. You. Winning a trophy at any time is amazing. You're winning a European trophy like that is uh, is incredible. It was the first time ever for your club. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like what was that feeling like? You know, getting to to lift that trophy because you know. I feel like yeah. I feel like it's I feel like it's really hard to win a trophy in at the pro level. You know, when you're like a kid, you play like club and you win a, a trophy or you medal every weekend, and then you become pro, and it's just like, damn, like this is this isn't easy. 
Yeah, which is funny because this actually like every single pro year, I've actually won a championship or a cup or something, which that's cool. Go me, I guess. I know. Yeah, you have actually. Yeah, I have. Yeah, uh, you did a Plodiv and you did in Dresner and. um... Mm -hmm. Yep. So this is the first time for Challenge Cup for this club. So it was really, really important to the club. Um, with like how crazy everything has been this year with COVID, like we didn't really even know what to expect. And we actually, um, we played Turkish Airlines in the semifinals, uh, which is actually Marcello's, uh, who used to be the coach of Canada's um, pro team. Mm -hmm. um, and we obviously have played Turkish Airlines a couple of times in season and we've had really, really close games. I know a lot of the girls, they're friends of mine. Um, and that's and, and like they actually, for the people at home, like Turkish Airlines is like a top four team in Turkey, and Turkey is yeah. considered one of the if it's either Turkey or Italy are the, are yeah. the are the two strongest leagues. And just yeah. for, just for reference, uh, Turkish Airlines finished fourth in the standings, and you guys finished eighth. Yeah, we actually this is it's very frustrating, but we actually lost seven five set matches this season. Oh. So if we had. If we had won those, we actually would have finished fourth. It's really close between four and eight, and then there's a there's a gap between one and one to three. The top three teams in in Turkey have always and will forever be pretty great. And then there's kind of a there's a middle section, and then there's a gap between eight and everyone else. Um, yeah, but Turkish Airlines is is a really really good quality team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they they actually ended up they had COVID um during the time our first game was supposed to be mm -hmm. so it got rescheduled so we actually played the matches back to back yeah i remember that um yeah so those they both went five both games so we played 10 10 sets well technically 11 wait yeah 11 sets why 11 because we played um no no you didn't Did we play a golden set you didn't you didn't play a golden set you went three two three two both both times and your 17 year old went right. absolutely right, right, right. off yeah, so the the first match, that's why. Because we won the first match in five. And then because it's uh, CEV, like if you, based on the number of sets, um, you win the first game. Like you could only have to win one or two sets. But mm -hmm. because we won in five, we could lose in five. And then we could play golden set and still win. But we ended up winning in five, both matches. But they were like very intense, emotional um matches which it was really really fun to play uh especially as i said like marcello is a an amazing coach and he always coaches really really um good teams that are really well coached i i marcello isn't a fantastic coach like i anyone who knows him knows how much he knows about volleyball um whether you like his style whether it works for you or not that's like a completely separate issue for me but I really like his style. He's aggressive. He's honest. He demands a lot of his players. Um, so yeah, I, I, I personally don't mind his kind of, he's Italian. What do you expect? Like, you know, um, but obviously some people feel differently, but for me personally, like I, I like his style, but the, the team, he really got them to buy in as a team um, on Turkish Airlines. So they're, they're, very close knit, really good quality team, and we were man we managed to beat them twice in five. So that was that was huge. Yeah. Um, and then we played Blaj, who is the top team in Romania. Did you play for Blaj? Uh, 
No. no. I never played in Romania. You've never played in Romania. No, no, no. Okay. I, I, no. Someone has played for Blage along the way, but as we were talking before the show, there's yeah. a lot of Canadians now that play professionally, and it's very hard to mm-hmm. track all of them at the same time because, yeah. But sorry. It's can, a lot. Continue with <laughs> no, your, no, your no, Challenge Cup story. Yeah. So then we um, tra- traveled to Romania. It was actually the first time I've had to travel with like in an airplane this season, which with COVID and everything, which is not normal. Normally for Champions League or whatever, I've always been traveling, but we actually hosted the first and second round of Sev in Istanbul. And then semifinals were obviously against the Turkish team. So that was kind of strange. Like, cause like who's traveling right now, except for like athletes and like politicians, like you shouldn't be traveling. So that was, that was strange, but we went to Romania. Um, I think for Blaj, we just play such different systems. A lot of Blaj's players are on the Serbian national team or have been in the past, and they run a very different style. They're a lot of high balls. Their 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 defensive system is it, it, quite was, different was, too. There was just not a good matchup. You guys were clearly better than them. I mean, it was. It, Thank you. It, it, Thank it, you. It was, like for me, watching those matches, it was like you guys had gotten over that hump. You know, it was kind mm-hmm. of like the the American um, 1982 dream team. They beat the Russians in the semifinals, and then they cruised to a victory against the Finns, Finns yeah. in the finals. You know, and that's yeah. that's the kind of notion that I got is that you guys had two epic five setters against Tur- mm-hmm. Turkish Airlines, and I mean Turkish Turkish Airlines. For those of you who are listening to this and you may not know the roster, that's like Lauren Carlini. Or uh, mm-hmm. Karakurt, the the girl with the, mm-hmm. always the the crazy hair, who's really really good for Turkey as well. Like that is a very very good world class team. And for you guys mm-hmm. to beat them back to back in five setters like that, like I could only imagine that that's a, absolutely one of the biggest wins yeah. of your career, possibly. Possibly, I think for pro, probably, um, probably some matches in Germany against Stuttgart and stuff. But in terms of like, it wasn't just that it was in five sets. It was like the points were long. Like I'm talking like. 45 second rallies and like we were like there was some tense moments um one of my favorites and like the third set or something one of their outside hitters an american actually kept going off my hands and i pulled and it was like this perfect like middle pull at the last moment she shot it like 20 feet out of bounds there was some looks afterwards it was great it was spicy loved it high quality volleyball so yeah that was it's up there for wins for sure. Can I ask about, uh, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Karut Tasu, the 17-year-old on your team, because in game one, yeah. 47 points. 47 mm-hmm. points in game one. She got 40, 40 kills on 90 attempts. Uh, yeah. th- that's insanity. And then uh, I don't have the, I just have game one stats here. I can go to game two, but game two was that- like the, the, the next day and she scored like 27. Yeah, I think 23 kills and then like four aces or something like that. Yeah, we we become we basically set her every ball out of system. Uh, we're really uh, a speed. Our outside's really like speed. So when you get out of system, it's really really hard to maintain that tempo. So we send it just um, set alley <laughs> back in the opposite. She's young, right? She can handle 90 swings. No big deal. She was very tired the second day, which is why. She went a little bit down, but still played. Oh, still played amazing. A little, but yeah. a little bit down. Here. A little down. That's. Yeah. I mean, for her, like a little bit, but she's she's a fantastic player, and she's she's so young. She doesn't. She's only seventeen. So imagine in a couple of years, she reminds me of Bella back in the day. 
who plays on Baku. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because I played with Bella as well when she was young in Sweden. Oh, Bella Hawk, right? Yeah, you played yeah. with you played you played with Hawkeye Bank. That's what we call her on our Discord chat, by the way, Hawkeye Bank. Lulz, because well, she's their team, right? And they set her every ball, but you... false, false. Okay, my good. Okay. Hey, I actually, love Bella. Actually, you're I, right. You're right. You're right. Michelle. You're right. But the, but that's Michelle, that's actually what I was going to say because part of the reason um I, I think that uh, Busto beat um uh uh mm-hmm. Bank in the first round is in the first game is because Michelle Barch was was not nowhere to be found but she was she had a, a below average game and yeah they run Vakov runs such a fast tempo to the outside it's honestly like it's crazy playing against it it's it's kind of funny after the matches i always laugh but it really looks like a middle ball like for the outside tempo so if they're even a little bit off of their tempo it's really a zero or one tempo so if they're off at all it just doesn't work right there's 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 just no wiggle room um so yeah, they in the first match against Busto, they had to set Bella a lot. It became really one-dimensional, so it became easy for Busto so, to to figure out for sure. So so to circle back though, you think Karat How do I say her name? Alexia. Oh gosh, I don't know. Okay. It, I know I should. I've lived in so many countries. I don't even know how to pronounce English words at this point. I'm That's all mixed fair. up. That's fair. Well, well, I'll, I'll get a pronunciation guide at some point. But you think that she <laughs> is similar to to Hawk, which is crazy because you like yeah. Hawk, like like well, watching her this Champions League for me has been has been in, in impressive. Like watching Hawk versus Agonu in the final is going to be yeah something else. Kind of like it'll the, be really sick. The now against uh, uh, against the future. So you think this girl could be like her? Yeah, I think they're really similar. Like they're both really physical and they've been really physical since they've been like, you know, 15 or 16. They have similar shot choices. Bella now, I think the reason why Bella has even grown even more is now she's started to work in really high quality tips. And with a lot of outside hitters and opposites, they tend to drop their arm a lot. But Bella's contact point when she tips is so high. And so it's just like a straight down tip. It's impossible to read. Um, so I see Ali doing things like that in practice. I'm like, uh-huh, looks like Bella when she was that age. So yeah, okay. it looks okay. to me, they look similar, but we'll see how, how Ali turns out. Do you, do you think it was special for her to be able to win a CEV cup game in Romania like that? Yeah, she was really excited. And I, I wish, um, there was a couple or a couple, I mean like a hundred people were able to come to that match. I wish more could have come for Ali cause that would have been really, really cool. But she, you know, she knew all the players on Blage or had played against them or whatever. So it was really fun. And her mom got to come to the match and her grandparents and stuff. So that was really cool. And she's so young. So like stuff like that, it, it matters to everyone, but mm-hmm. especially when you're younger, it, sentimental value is up for sure. So I've, it was special for her. I've also heard that she is trying to become Serbian. Okay. She no well, you know what? There's many people who could change their citizenship. Um, you know, a Cuban who's on Fenerbahce has has changed her citizenship to Serbian. So I don't necessarily know if, if Serbia is maybe the right place, but we'll see. There's yeah, it's up to her. I, if I don't if, have any it, it wouldn't be Serbia then. If they've already if they've they've already got a Cuban, I'm pretty sure you can only have like one naturalized player. So this is becoming a weird thing that we have in, vo- in the volleyball world that is nowhere else. Where like players are just gonna be like, yeah. oh, "I'm gonna change my nationality here." I mean, in the Cuban yeah. case, you can definitely understand, but you know, there's, I, I there's feel like uh, yeah, made. the 
the Cuban cases are are definitely different. There's an asterisk beside that for very obvious reasons. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it started to happen in the men's game first, like five or six years ago. Oh yeah, no, it's it's now, been happening for over a decade. Oh, it's in terms of I guess I feel pro- like the. I feel like the first like major one was five or six years ago, five or six years ago on the men's side where I was like, Oh, like that's crazy. And it was like, what, what nationality is he going to be sort of thing versus it's like strange that you could choose obviously, but yeah, it's definitely becoming a thing. But for some people it is a legitimate thing, but for others I'm like, Oh, that's strange. But for, you know, their business, whatever, go for it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Did there was rumors back in the day, and I mean, I, I think that there's wheels set in motion that he didn't get that uh, Robert Landy Simone wanted to come play for Canada, actually, and that he just wasn't able to, uh, you know, like the paperwork and stuff wasn't wasn't Make able. It to, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's yeah. definitely some countries that where you know, like you kind of bring it in with a, like a, an envelope full of bills, and you can be oh, like, no. hey, like let's get this person citizenship for a national team, yeah. and it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah sure. Whereas in Canada, that, that's not going to work, you know. Yeah, I, and I'm sure that definitely does happen. I don't think it would ever happen in a country like, for Canada, unfortunately. No, but, no. well, fortunately, you know what? I, I don't know if I would want that, you know, as, as a national team player. But, yeah. I, I, I definitely I, wouldn't I'm want sure that. I'm sure it happens. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't think that represents the type of program and country that we are. As much as we are a melting pot, but we're not taking bribes or anything like that. So, I'm sure it does happen. It is definitely like that weird, it's almost like betting too, right? It's like that dark side of pro volleyball that tends to happen that is, you know, even more and more prevalent. You're not into betting? I mean, I've never got the appeal of it. I've been to Vegas. I don't gamble. I don't know. I just, I, I made a NCAA bracket. Did I put money down? No but I enjoyed it just as much, you know? So I don't know for me, no, but like, I'm, I know lots of people love to do it and they make it for a lot of places, Turkey included is a source of income that helps the league continue to function. So in that way, sure. It doesn't harm anyone. I support it, but like me personally, no, (laughs) but Hey, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. I, cause I actually have a, a discord channel. Um, for, Mm -hmm. for volleyball source. So we've got like hundred plus people who are in it. We're always just talking about volleyball. We have an, uh, but some of the guys have started talking about betting recently. And one of the, yeah. I basically like, I, I got, uh, he, he convinced me and I went on the site and it was just like, it was like cost like five bucks to make an account. And then they gave you, yeah. like they gave you like, you know, a, a certain sum. Uh, and the, yeah. the past, like over the, like literally like over just over the weekend, I've like delved into it. And uh, already I've decided that I, I would never ever bet on a game that I have like an emotional attachment to. So, like, for example, I would never bet on one of your games because, you know, like, it, it just, there's there's no, yeah. like, because, like, first, I could never bet against you or I could never bet against a, a Canadian a Canadian, so. a, a Canadian team or anything like that. But at, yeah. the, but at the same time, and at the same time, like, if I'm watching you, I'm already like, okay, like, I, I want her to win. But if I have that doubleness of, like, I want you yeah. to win and I've got money on it, you know. It's too much. Yeah. You know what I think it for me, like I went to school in the States and obviously like there is NCAA rules compliance. Like there's whole rules about that, that I feel like have been preached into my brain but, for so long. But all of that's you know? changing because like sports gambling in the States is becoming legal. And like, like, yeah, I like you can bet on NCAA basketball games. Now I've, 
And like when I'm talking about betting here, I've I've bet like one and two dollars. Like I've I do not right, I, right. I, and and this the is all of money. and this is all off of like the free the free money that they gave me from the site. So like yeah. I I do not have the budget at all to be like putting real money in. Um, but like and you know what, it brings people to the sport though. Like from as I said before, like there are a bunch of people who watch it because it's entertaining for them to bet and to see like what happens and they make money or lose money like oh, that's I, part of it i 100 so, like, percent see the the appeal of betting because it, yeah, it adds absolutely. it adds that that other you know like that right. other, that other level so like when i was watching yeah. like, europe like the like cev cup matches and stuff like that mm -hmm. like you know like yeah i put a i put a bet on dynamo moscow and it was just like oh my like what, what's gonna <laughs> happen here you know like yeah it just totally. adds, a, adds a little bit of excitement it's like at the end it's like oh you won you won five bucks i'm like yeah let's go like sure why why, <laughs> yeah, why not um it's how they get you in because then you spend those five bucks oh it's only five bucks like i won this already now i'm gonna bet on the next one and that's how they get you no, how they get you i mean i would have to actually have money to be able to do that so plus like Fair. plus i plus i have a, i have a girlfriend who you know we live in a one-bedroom apartment and like if i'm sitting here on the computer like she's generally sitting there on the couch oop my laundry is destroying behind me is, is there <laughs> so it's like I, I can't hide anything from her you know so it's it's not true, like i'm sitting true. there like you know ooh, it's it, it's nice i have i have that buffer where she she, she would be like no but uh, i could definitely see yeah, why why people why people would do it and mm -hmm. you know i wouldn't i i've i've definitely i've noticed a huge rise in like sports media towards betting so that might be another avenue that, mm. I, that I look in towards to just to talk about. It's always it's always been, especially for like English football, Bundesliga, like there's always been Huge. advertisements for Bet365 or whatever. You could always see it on TV. In, in Europe, like it's, it's way bigger, right? In Europe, you, there's yeah, like, like little like, kiosks that you can like walk into yeah. in Germany and just like place your bets and, and stuff like that. Totally. It's only recently that in the North American market has it started to become more mainstream and not something like under the table you know like i feel like sports betting or any betting of that type you know you think it's kind of shoddy but now i think in north america it's become a lot more commonplace and a lot more on the up and up yeah as so they would say basically right now it's going through the process where like it's like like legal marijuana and sports betting are like the two things that like oh, states, that states are picking up right now that's, that's yeah that's that's how, that's how North American society is going at the at yeah. the moment. We're gonna fund that's our education trend. in healthcare with uh, <laughs> betting and weed. Oh God, I have no comment to that one. Oh gosh, no comment. <laughs> All right, well, let's kind of change tunes here. Look a little bit more towards uh, the future. I guess you've been a member of. You've been one of the, if not the longest standing member of the women's national team now for uh, a while. I mean, I remember doing interviews with wow. you back in like what 2013, and you were a member of the team. Yeah, I technically started with the senior team. I actually looked at it today. I was on national team website, um, 2011, apparently, which is 10 years ago. Um, but I was with the junior team and beach programs before that. But like with senior team, 2011, and then I started. I didn't start traveling on rosters until um, 2012, 2014. Cause I was still in college at that point. So I was That's true. Yeah, yeah. coming and going. Yeah. So, um, for a lot of the NCAA people, it's, all, we've talked about this before, but difficult, but not impossible to play on the national team while you're still in college. Mm -hmm. Um, so I took years off or only did half summers and stuff like that for my first, first couple of years. Yeah. That, so, yeah. So, but now, now you guys are heading into 
what could be characterized as maybe one of the biggest years that this program has had in a, in a long time. You guys are going to be a part of mm-hmm. the the Nations League. Um, won't uh, unfortunately won't be going to the, the Olympics, but you're going to be a part of the Nations League, and it's really the kind of the start of a, of a new of a new era as well. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Tom Black couldn't be a part of the team um, based off of ev- everything that's going on now, but. I've never been so hopeful about the women's national team program as I am right now. Watching yeah. the level of women's, like Canadian women's volleyball in the pro scene this year has been absolutely insane, right? Yeah. Obviously, like you, you've been having a great year. Maglio's been having a fantastic year as, as well in Turkey. Kira mm-hmm. and Alexa are setting records in two of the best leagues in the world in, in, in Italy mm-hmm. and Poland. Like Kira's, like, Kira's been doing in, incredible things. Uh, like yeah. you've even got you know like Kelsey Veltman who isn't a national team member but she's still within the, within the program. She led the German mm-hmm. league in blocking. Danielle Breezeball, mm-hmm. former national team, like led the German league in scoring. Like yeah. women's volleyball in Canada, like the women are absolutely killing it this season, and it makes me excited for what's going to happen this spring. I hope other people are paying attention to whatever it is saying, <laughs> because yes, <laughs> like I feel like. This year, we've had such a great year overall, like across the board. Ever and I have talked about this before, but in general, the women are playing in such higher quality leagues as a program overall than we I think we ever have been. We've obviously had players who have played in fantastic leagues or on really good teams individually, but as a program across the board, I think this is the best season bar none of, of just quality, quality and, you know, whether that's in Europe or, you know, you had Shy on the podcast who just, she won the V cup uh, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, really great results, really high quality leagues. Uh, Brie King just finished up at athletes unlimited, which is third huge. and was hands down the best setter. And like, like yes, th- yeah. th- that to me is, is, is the biggest thing in that. I definitely agree that in mm-hmm. the past we've had good players, on good teams, but we've haven't had as many players be a key piece or the centerpiece of that team. Yeah. The way we've seen it with right. this year, or the way that like, like, you know, we talked a little bit about that Busto game, like Alexa mm-hmm. was the MVP of that Busto game that, uh, that, yeah, that Busto and the game that she won. And I mean, at first I was like, oh, I thought Mingardi played a little bit better, but when you go back and look at the fact that Alexa passed almost every single ball and went a perfect yeah. seven for seven in set number three, which they had to win. Like she's been mm-hmm. killing it. Same thing with Kira, like how, like we're seeing like, especially like some of our, our younger women really step up and be centerpieces of, of these big teams like that to yeah. me is really excited about what that's going to look like when everything comes back together yeah and it's crazy like we have not as a program seen each other since the qualifier which i i know for everyone feels like a lifetime ago at least for me and the other girls it feels so long ago that we were together obviously we didn't do anything last summer um because of covid we thought at one point we could train but it as things developed it just didn't make sense um so we actually haven't played all in a, in a gym together as like a full program program. And like, it'll be almost two years, right? We had a limited roster size when we went to the Olympic qualifier. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting to think what it all will be like when we're actually all in one place. Now, uh, I, I do want to talk about, you know, your, the, the, the coaching changes. We talked about Marcello mm-hmm. a little bit before. Um, obviously we mentioned Tom Black and just to, to, to touch on him, it's it is definitely unfortunate that he couldn't come, but I also yeah. feel at the same time that he also instilled 
so much good stuff that you guys are able to kind yeah. of t take along. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. I, I think every single person involved in the program while Tom was the head coach, couldn't say enough good things about him. We, we love Tom. We loved his family. We loved, you know, training at Georgia when we got the opportunity. Tom is such a, a great person and a fantastic coach and someone who, who is obsessed with learning and getting better. And so when you have someone like that leading your program, like only good things are going to happen, right? Like he talked about, you know, getting 2% better every day. And we really explored every area of where we could get a little bit better. And I think that really had an impact on the program as a whole and on individuals, just, you know, we would spend practices and practices focusing on focusing on specific things with serving or specific things with blocking with Benjo. And like, we got really, really down to details. And I think it opened up our eyes about where we can steal one or two points. And I think that's been a misconception with our team internally and externally that, you know, we're so far away from where we should be or could be. That's not actually true. You know, I, 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 like, I agree with that fully. Yeah. And so you're talking about a four or five point spread and where do you gain those five points? Well, okay. If, if we are serving aggressively in six rotations, like that is a huge advantage. Okay. So how do we do that? How do we have six rotations where we're serving that it is a threat every time? Like that sort of mentality Tom was all about. And, and I think that mentally has made a really big difference for the program. That's fantastic it it was such a different change being around that program being around the, the women's team when tom was around mm. with your guys yeah. with, with the demeanor and stuff and i still remember watching your guys's uh what's what was it like the challenger cup what was the one that you guys did in in, in chile the one that you qualified for for vnl i forget what was that called but like watching you guys oh yeah sorry the, peru whatever it was called yeah in yeah peru. yeah the, the you know and watching you guys through that process was so like like it, it was eye opening and it was just like you yeah. guys were executing at such a high level, you know, obviously mm -hmm. like I, and I think that like there, there was so there was such a big potential for that game to go off the rails too with the autumn's injury oh, huge. and how everything, yeah. everything went to, went to crap. And then you guys went at yeah. five. Um, and that to me, like watching that, it was just kind of like, this is the team like that, that we could have. And this is a very good team. You know, this is a very yeah. good team that I think like people want to play for. And I think that might be yes. that might be one of the biggest things because I think with you know, you've been on the team for so long, how many athletes have we seen just kind of like come to the program and leave because they might not necessarily mm -hmm. want to play for the team? Yeah, and there's so many things that go into that though. Like I I agree with you that like Tom definitely bought brought an energy and and that like that group of women are really special for a bunch of reasons. What we went through, the transition between Marcello and Tom was, it was Drastic. easy and also, yeah, it's just, as I said before, like they have very, very opposing coaching styles. So as a program, it's not super easy to switch like that, you know, and, and expectations are different. And so that team the group of girls that were on that team went through so much emotion. And I feel like we say that in every interview, but like, it really is true. Like that group of people I will always be connected to because of all the stuff that w went down and happened. We went through Autumn's injury and, and that stuff 
cannot be undervalued as to why the culture is shifting and has changed, you know? And yeah, I definitely think the women's program now is seen differently internally and externally. Would I like the external view to change even more? Totally. But like, we're responsible for that, right? Like the more games we win, the more people will pay attention. So that's on us as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, I'm so excited for the future of the program while I'm involved and like the future, I think I've never passed my generation. I've never been more excited for. That's, that's fantastic. Now, um, you are going to be the longest standing member or one of the, still one of the longest standing members, you and Kyla, um, uh, on the team. Does your role, how, how does your role change now? Because, you know, you just spent a year and, and we talked a little bit about how the young, your team this year is in, in Yesselyurt. Does that, yeah. are you able to kind of like bring that along and, and you feel now so even more like after that, now that you've changed from, from coach black to, to now Shannon Windsor, who we're going to talk about in, in a second as well. But do you feel yeah. kind of your role is changing more and more as you're becoming like almost like the matriarch of the team and like you know, <laughs> the one of, one of the, the big leaders? Yeah. Yes and no. I think since even during Marcello's era, I think we did a better job than we had in the past of bringing young people into the program. And as you said, like making it as enjoyable as possible. And sometimes playing for the national team or playing professionally is not all fun and games. It doesn't, you know, there's a lot that goes on and it's a grind and it's really difficult And so I think we did a much better job of bringing younger players into the program and trying to make the transition as easy as we possibly could. So I think that's something going forward. You know, obviously there will be some retirements that will be announced soon. And so we're going to actually have this influx of really, really young athletes. Which I'm really excited for. The young young kids coming. Like, you know, I was excited about like the young kids who are already like, older now but the the next group of young kids holy crap watch out it is going to be fun exactly and like there's so much talent in canada now and and i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it but we have so much talent so much talent coming out the pipeline from ncaa from canada from younger athletes who are now ready to transition onto the senior team full time you know like i think for the older athletes it's so important to try to make the transition as easy as possible and especially in a tournament like vnl so we're getting thrown vnl is it's we start training camp in the middle or beginning of may and then start vnl the bubble starts the end of may and what a crazy tournament to start you know some people will be starting their national team careers at vnl in this like crazy bubble like it is basically it is our version of the olympics right unfortunately we didn't qualify for the olympics but this is our version, right? Like this is the tournament other than Norseka championships, but isn't until October, but it's the best competition we're going to get this summer against the top countries. Um, So I think for the younger athletes, like what a cool experience, right? Like getting to play USA, China, Germany, Turkey, like all these like really, really high class teams, like how freaking cool as that it's so exciting i absolutely like the fact that like you know, usually your first tournament of the year would be like the pan am cup you know yeah. or like something north seek with which that, is and the like, worst tournament. which is the worst tournament you're gonna play worst a million tournament. games in a terrible <laughs> yeah. gym in like yeah you know it's somewhere in, in the north seeker region because it's never canada mm-hmm. the u.s and yeah. it's, it's gonna it's gonna beat you down so I, I definitely agree like this is gonna be fun it can you yeah 
is is there like who are some of these young players that, that you're alluding to that like we are going to be excited for like obviously there's andrea who well we've seen we've seen yeah. recently we've we, uh, who just yep. finished that at um um blah, 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 arizona state yes yeah yeah um and she's and she's actually she's playing in romania Yes, actually, I did. Um, know so that. I actually got to see her. Uh, she came and saw me when uh, we played the Blage match oh, nice. for Sev Cup. Yeah, so that was really nice. Sweet. So she brought the COVID. Yeah. Pardon? She brought the COVID. She broke COVID. Yeah, she she brought the no, COVID to your I, team. <laughs> I'm joking. I th- I don't know. I think it was the next match, but who who knows? Maybe who maybe knows this I... is all Dre's fault. I'll I'll call her and tell her after. All right. It's all your fault. All right. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, like yeah, because. Like, like who are some of the the younger like girls in the, the program that we can kind of maybe potentially see this year? Well, I won't name names because the the roster oh. will be announced soon. Oh, come on, um, I know, but we have a lot of the athletes that were part of the next gen program mm-hmm. who will be involved with the senior team. Mm-hmm. So, um, those athletes have been around the program, but not specifically traveling or like involved in their senior team at all. So it's, it's kind of great because they, we kind of know each other. So it's not like we're starting off from nothing, Mm -hmm. but they also, there's a lot to, lot to learn. We have some players coming from the NCAA, which are really exciting, super young athletes. Like Um, like first and like girls who are potentially on the junior national team previously. Potentially. Yes. Yes, yes. There's there's gonna be a whole new crop of, of of young women on the team. That's all I'll say. So we're really excited. It it's to me like almost as as intense as the bubble will be, you know, in se- it almost sounds like it might be a perfect scenario to kind of like start cooking that stew you know because like when right. i remember watching the nba bubble and all these nba players are coming back to be like yo it's kind of like an aau tournament you know and it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it sounds a lot like you guys are gonna have a lot of time you're gonna be able to spend a lot of time together and you're gonna a lot and, and there's there's not gonna be any outside distractions whatsoever mm-hmm. and it it for me it sounds like almost like a perfect cookout situation where you guys can kind of just figure things out go up against the world's best where you're also going to be like fully supported you know not in like yeah. guatemala or mexico or, or or somewhere um yeah without any distractions like to me like this is almost best case not obviously not best case scenario there's a lot of better cases where you're like competing <laughs> for for medals and stuff but for where your team is yeah. at, it might be the perfect starting point yeah like in terms of like establishing culture and creating like a team family atmosphere that's always been vital for our program. Like it's basically like a, a eight week long preseason, you know, like this is as, as close as we're possibly going to be for, you know, those eight weeks with training camp beforehand. So yeah, like it's just like a crash course. And like, this is what international volleyball is like, you know, it won't always be like this. Ideally, you know, VNL would have happened in the five different countries and we would have been traveling and stuff, but yeah, what an intense, intense uh preseason of national team for sure well that's that's gonna be great i i can't wait to to watch that or yeah yeah it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be awesome now we we talked about tom, tom black now you guys have mm-hmm. a, a new coach a new head coach uh shannon windsor she was with the program before uh she coached the next yeah. gen um she's gonna be the first female head coach of the the women's national team which i think is, is very exciting i i think is great what are your kind of initial impressions? I'm just asking people because I've never 
I've never spoken to Shannon. I don't. Yeah, you I, haven't spoken to I, her. I don't know her. Like, I, not even like, not even like a hi, how are you in the hallway type <laughs> thing. Like, I've never been introduced to her, so I have no notion of who she is and how she is as a coach. So I'm just kind of like, well, what, what are your, what are your thoughts and your impressions? Like, lay it, lay it on me here. Love Shannon. She is a no BS, honest, aggressive yet demanding but also praises her athletes really well um she's a mom of three kids she has a lot of like she you know was a coach of australia for three and a half four years and um she was was their head coach yep yep and actually the assistant lauren i believe coached with her in australia if i'm not mistaken okay i'm pretty sure that is true so that's how they knew each other as well um so yeah like she she wears a tight little bun on her head. She's yeah. She's super honest, aggressive, like feisty. Um, I think it's amazing that it's a woman we've been talking, you know, through Tom's a time as head coach and Marcello's time and head coach. We've never actually had a full-time female coach. Like even assistant. No, I mean, Shannon was involved in the program, but But it was, yeah, she, she she wasn't on the bench or anything with you guys. No, she was for um, that one tournament in like the development tournament in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and she did help like she was in the gym, but it was this thing where like she had to balance between being the head coach of next gen mm-hmm. and running their practices. And also like she did a lot of running back and forth between courts, right? Trying to absorb as much as she could from Tom, um, but then also being in charge of the next gen court. So she did a lot of running back and forth. Um, but yeah, we've never had a full time coach we've had support staff that have been female but we've never had a full-time female coach which yeah like it's 2021 like of course we should have had that so that's that's amazing um so yeah it's a great opportunity for her and i love it yeah i'm, I'm super excited and i think the the staff that she's hired as well will complement each other and us really well i think there's a really good mix like vincenzo um he is super knowledgeable. He coaches at UFT, so he's you know more aware of the Canadian system, that, but also is Italian and like super dialed into Europe. And he's actually in Italy right now, getting things set up. Um, we you know our stats guy is from Spain, and he's coached a bunch of places. And then our other assistant, she's actually a pro coach in Switzerland and has been in the past. So like. We got a lot of great different viewpoints and and experiences to work off of, which I think is fantastic. That that sounds like I I know Vincenzo fairly well, um, and I love he, Vinny. Yeah, and he's like he's a guy who's come in and done great things for that U of T program. And you're right, yeah. he has he has a foot in either world. You know, he comes, yeah, exactly. he comes from that italian background that's very professional and like he's one of the best data volleyball data volley people i absolutely I, like he's so yep. technically knowledgeable he's dialed in with but the, but, yeah, he's but dialed at the same in. but at the same time he intricately understands the canadian system and the, the way that things mm-hmm. because he's been at u of t now for like almost like five plus years i think like he's he's been around he's maybe been, even more yeah, now even yeah more. a long time like I, yeah actually definitely because i yeah i was commenting games when did they win their national championship 2017 I don't even know what is time these days, dude. I don't even know. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I comment because he had been there for a couple years before they won the championship. I thought. I comment I, in 2014. That was when they hosted. No, no, I don't, I don't even think know they anymore. They won the hosted. 
No, that's, I feel, that's, 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 uh, Anna, Anna just posted about it too on Instagram a couple days ago. Oh, darn. I wish I could remember. Anyway, but, he's, but he's been there for a while. But, but he's been he's there, been there for Yeah, a while. Just, just to say that like he understands, and I think maybe one of the biggest disconnects with Marcello was that he just didn't understand Canadian volleyball and understand like, you know, the sport culture that we had, we, we, we had yeah. here and, you know, how we pro, 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 proceed through it. So I think that having a guy like Vincenzo there, who's so incredibly knowledgeable, but at the same time understands that the reality of, of what, how it happens in Canada is, is massive. Yeah, for sure. And even with Tom so much there, you know, there is a, a very stark difference between the NCAA and U sport. Are they still calling it U sport these days? Yeah, it's is it still, still U sports. Sport? Yeah, who knows? U sport. I mean, it's, they're not going to so change it. It's U sport, but you can call it CIS to everyone or, or CIAU if you're real old. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So there, there is a difference between those programs, too. And obviously, like, even the way Sport Canada functions and Volleyball Canada functions, like having someone who's already dialed into that to that world, but also has that of like, okay, this is what we do in Europe and who can bridge that gap is, is I think an amazing thing that Vinny will be able to do for the program. Yeah. I, I, I think that's great uh, as well. I'm, I'm, as I've said, I'm really, really excited about what's to come with the women's national team. It very much feels like the men's national team a decade ago, you know, uh, the men's national team back in 2000. I feel like that's what you said. Like, I feel like that's what you said four years ago. No, this is what I said. This is what I said in 2019. Okay. Right. And yeah. so I'm just fair enough. You know, like if if it wasn't for coronavirus, you know, like that that would yeah. have been we, we we would have been having this conversation last year, right? So. Th- and you know what? If if Autumn maybe didn't get hurt and some you know other things happen differently, can, like can, who knows, man? Okay. We who knows? I know that's like a. a tough subject to talk about because we can talk about that because I agree like there is a world and I know because we've had this discussion before but like if Autumn doesn't get injured Mm -hmm. what happens at the Olympic qualifiers in like the first round ones and then what happens again in January Um, yeah because and and it's not I want to make it super clear like it's Autumn's injury was, I feel like we've talked, we also talked about this every interview. Autumn's injury was devastating for many reasons. Firstly, because of the athlete of Autumn. Like, she's just a fantastic person who works so hard. And, like, the way it happened and the drama of the situation and it being in Peru was just terrible. Like, I cannot make that clear enough. But also, in terms of, like, us as a team, the, the way our offense and our passing drastically had to change and we we had been firing at this like perfect like tempo was going great our balance was good and then we autom- we just had to like shift we basically had to restart all the stuff we had done in terms of of distribution and like passing seams you know about ba- down to the minimum halfway through like two weeks before our olympic qualifier you know so it's not obviously that to autumn it's like the worst thing ever but for like our program it's you know it was difficult to rebound from for a variety of reasons yeah Yeah. so who knows who knows what would have happened what made it even worse too is that you guys had to stay in peru after that and play a pan am cup yeah (laughs) that was just i don't know who planned that one like (laughs) you know at that point it it, it almost to me and like you guys had been on the road for a while because you had already played that like that was your third tournament of the summer already like yeah yeah it almost seemed like everything was going so great and then that happened autumn and then there was just too much overload after that 
Yeah. And unfortunately, because of the NCAA and Tom's commitments, we didn't have the time in October to like really prep because we did, we had our secret championships in October in, in Puerto mm-hmm. Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we obviously had a different coaching staff, coaching staff that we knew and really liked, but it's still different. Right. So every coach wants to run a different system. So we didn't really get that time to really figure things out. And then when the qualifier happened, you know, we're all coming back from pro so we're all working off these different systems. We're halfway through a pro season. So like some people, you know, Jesse, our libero at the time was having terrible issues with her back. She could like barely walk during the qualifier. You know, my, I was going through family stuff. Like, I don't even remember the qualifier. Like there was so many different things. So we didn't ever really have a bulk of time to really reset and figure out those details with the new, new I say new team, but with like the new situation of the team, a new distribution, like we became a lot more uh, one dimensional when autumn went down, unfortunately. So that made it a lot more difficult just to score balls. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it it was heavy, but I mean, that's sports though. Like that's what happens. Like this stuff happens. Like, of course, if we could go back, we would do things differently. We would not let Autumn turn to get that ball on defense from pipe, you know? But, like, like that's just life. That's sports. Like, shit goes down. Shit happens. Like, do, do you, it is what it is. Do you think ultimately that makes you guys stronger moving forward? I mean, yeah. It, it absolutely has to. It definitely didn't make us weaker. Like, I can't speak for Autumn. Autumn's rehab has been super difficult and she's been grinding it out in Vancouver, sometimes all by herself with Mm -hmm. just the coaching staff. Like Autumn deserves so much credit for just keeping going and trying to figure out what's going on and working so hard that lots of people don't see. But as a program too, like we, as I said before, like that group of people are so close for so many reasons, but that's one of one of them is that we went through something really, really difficult on the road in Peru, like in the middle of tournaments. It was not great. Um, but as a unit and as a program, I think it established a lot of things that are key to our culture as a program that will continue past the group of people who were, were in that or during that experience, right? Like that will continue in the culture that we've established. How much do you think is that like part of your role now is establishing that culture and and making sure that the younger generation understands that's the great thing is that i don't think we need to spend time establishing it it's just continuing it which is different from what we've had to do in the past before it was trying to figure out who are we what do we stand for what type of people do we want to be what type of program are we going to be versus now I feel like my job's almost easier. We just continue what we're doing and keep pushing the envelope and keeping each other accountable. I feel like our culture is the best it's ever been. So right. for me, I just we just get to continue the work that everyone else we've we've already put in the work or part of the work, you know? So now we just gotta keep it going and and making sure, as we talked about before, like making sure those athletes who are coming into the program know the expectations. This is what we're about, this is what we do, we work hard. We're not afraid to work hard. We don't care what other people say. We do our jobs like that type of idea. So for me, I almost think it's easier. The hard part of establishing it is already partially done. Wow. That, that honestly, like you're sitting here and talking about it and it's giving me chills because like I've, 
and we've talked we, you know we've we've been friends for a long time we've talked a lot about this team and i've never yeah. heard you speak so like positively and so like you know like you, it sounds like you're excited and that that's getting me excited i am yeah i am super excited like i think one thing that this program really needs is stability and for you know we just haven't been able to have that for a variety of reasons you know we we moved to vancouver and when you move locations there's a lot of things that need to be worked out that can't be worked out until you're actually there and that's mostly mostly on the support side you know physio nutrition all that stuff it just needs to be worked out and then we went you know we've gone through two coaching changes but now like i really feel like we have so much more support internally externally our we know we are who we are as a program and Shannon's only going to continue that work in the, in the right direction, you know? So I feel like our, our base is so, so solid when a couple of years ago, I feel like we were still like trying to figure out who we are. I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like we, we know who we are and the work that Shannon is going to do for our program is only going to lead us in the right direction. So I, I feel super optimistic and positive about where we're going. So then, like, can I ask you, like, where where are we going? Like, what what's what like not necessarily off the court because I think that's maybe a little bit more personal with with how you guys yeah. interact with each other. But on the court, what is that product going to look like? You know, I, I think we've definitely seen that specifically with the men's team where they've really developed their own style of what Canadian men's volleyball looks like. Yeah. In in terms of you know they kind of blend everything together and they're a very you know, they're very reliant on making the right decisions and, and making good decisions in that way. So kind of where, like, where do you think the strengths like lie on, on the women's team? I think we offensively are going to be running such a fast, multi-optional offense. Like I think about who we have in terms of firepower, not just who's on the team now, but once again, the younger athletes coming up, like we got some options, yeah. which is... You know, like you have Alexa and Kira running on opposing pins. That like that with, like that that in that itself, by itself like that is that's, yeah like it's crazy, right? I I can't remember in my time covering the women's national team. I can't remember a time where we've had two exceptional like uh, opposing players like that. Like one on the right yeah. side. Like we've we've obviously had great right side players in the past. You know, like Tabby mm -hmm. Love, of course, Sarah Pavin. But there's been yeah. nothing like this where you've got Alexa on the left and you've got Kira on the right. And then Maglio mm -hmm. and yourself have both had pretty damn good years in Turkey as well. Yeah, like Maglio and I have had a great year. So like offensively, I think I I hope we become a team and will become a team that like if you try to shut down one of us, that's totally fine because we have three or four other options just as effective, you know, ready to go. So I think that's going to be a strength. I think – We've also always been a really good blocking team. I feel like that's something that's underrated for us. I, th I feel like we're going to be a strong blocking team. Um, and one thing that from Tom's era that I think, I think we're going to be a really aggressive serving team. That's a, something we spent a lot of time on before with Tom that I think will carry over a lot. I like that. Um, I like so that a those, lot. Yeah, I think that I, I want us to be an aggressive team aggressive offensive team taking big swings getting huge blocks like taking things from opponents versus i think in the past we've been maybe too passive in our play so i i think I, being I, aggressive is is the way to go for us i definitely agree with that i uh 
it sometimes seemed like we were waiting for other teams to make the errors. Like we were very good yeah. at kind of keeping the ball alive and keeping it going, but we just weren't forcing them to take the errors. And that was definitely like watching that that Challenger Cup where for you guys to qualify yeah. for Nations League, that was the biggest difference I saw in that team where that, that mm-hmm. you guys started dictating the pace of play instead of letting exactly, the other, yeah. or other teams dictate it or like kind of being in, in that middle ground. It was like, we're going to mm-hmm. play this style and you're going to have to try to keep up with us. And that that's exciting. Now, one of the biggest, I don't want to say holes, but one of the biggest areas of, 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 of work that the team has, has always lacked stability in, as if we want to go back to that, has been the setting position. Now, mm. Bree is still pretty young, still somewhat new to this team, but like, do, like, do we, is that, is, is she like now like the starting setter? Because after what she's done in the athletes unlimited league, like I was very curious to see how she was going to do in that league, mm. you know, coming from youth sports, she's only played the one year in, in Dresner, spent time with the women's national team. I was very interested yeah. to see how she stacked up and I could not be like more pleasantly surprised by how she not only like was very good, but absolutely thrived in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not Shannon. I don't make uh, starting setter decisions. So, I mean, no, really. Like, we have a bunch of experienced setters. Danny Smith has played a long time and knows these girls really well. Kim Robitaille has also played a long time, played pro internationally. So, you know what? The best thing for our program is to be as competitive in our own gym as possible. It's just the truth. Okay. Yeah, really, and you went with a political whoever, answer. I, I respect it, but you're no, also right. But you're also, I don't even think you're, you're also right. I, agree I don't with think you. it's even political. I really don't think it's even political. I really believe that if you have 18 athletes who are pushing each other to be the starters and to be as best as good as they possibly can be, that can only result in raising the level in the gym. And like, especially for for especially as a national team for Canada specifically, it's really, really hard to get exhibition matches outside of our scheduled tournaments because it geographically is really difficult and expensive to play other teams. So you think about like quality training six on six play in practice. It's vital that Mm. like we do not have a really big difference between who starts and who doesn't. And also going into VNL, we will have to rest starters i use starters loosely we will have to rest people it will be impossible for the same 12 athletes 14 athletes to play every single game it is physically mentally emotionally probably not possible and i i expect a lot of teams to rotate you know vnl also is an 18 person extended roster Mm -hmm. so i expect us to be rotating rosters on not a game daily basis but almost I really believe that that will be the case and that will be the way a lot of national teams go about it because to play as many games as we're going to in the time frame in the bubble situation, it's just not possible to play every single match. It's impossible. Do do you like, obviously you, you haven't been in contact with the national team all that much. I'm sure you've gotten like a you know, few texts in here that, but you've know that you guys haven't had your team briefing about uh, nations league, but do you guys think do you think that you guys are gonna have like a, a goal of being like we want a place here, or is it gonna be more of like a game per game goal of like things that you're gonna be working on? Um, we haven't talked about it, but for me, I think the goal is to stay in Vienna next next year. So like that's, what that's a that solid looks goal. like solid goal. And you know what? It's not going to be very easy. Like 
it's just the facts that when you're looking about, okay, how many wins do we have to get in VNL? Where are we going to get them? I think that will be the overarching goal is to stay in VNL for next year. Um, we'll obviously have specific goals. And a lot of that stuff will be established when we actually like get together as a group. Like it's, it's such a strange thing right now. Like we haven't seen each other in so, so long new coaching staff. And that's why we we're doing our training camp in Italy before the bubble starts. And that time will be so critical because I'm, we got lots to do and not very much time to do it. So I'm just, are you looking at VNL games? Uh, not games. I'm looking at the teams. Uh, I'm looking at teams. Oh, so on okay, the women's yep. side, we've got uh, alphabetically, of course, uh, Belgium, yep. Brazil, Canada, China, Dominican Republic, Germany, Italy, Japan, Korea, the Netherlands, Poland, Russia, Serbia, Thailand, Turkey, and the USA. How many teams get relegated? Two? One? One. One. Okay. I believe it used to be one, but with COVID, everything, who knows? So I believe one. There's, there's like, I I definitely think that is an attainable goal looking at at the teams, at the the teams there. Yeah, it is. But it also depends. There's, there's so much. It depends on like, who do like the teams who are in the Olympics, who do they send to VNL? How do Mm -hmm. they manage like player load? Like I was talking to someone yesterday involved in the USA program and you know does Karch use it as an opportunity to establish his starting lineup for the Olympics or does he use it to test athletes who are on the bubble who he doesn't know who he's taking to the Olympics like there's you know and for each program that's USA specifically obviously but for each program there's going to be a different scenario going on some are using it like they're not in the Olympics okay so this is our tournament others are in the Olympics so that changes things other people, their roster has been the same for the last 10 years. So like, it doesn't make a difference. Right. Mm-hmm. So like each program will have different goals. So like, it will be interesting to see who we can beat, like who, what games can we steal? What games must we win? And we won't know. That's the funny thing about VNL because everyone plays everyone and the schedule is uneven in terms of everyone's playing everyone at different times. So like you could have a earlier or easier section in the middle or whatever, you know? So like we're going to have to try to win as many games as we possibly can. So it's going to be fun. I'm I'm, yeah. ex- I'm excited. Like May is going to be a great month. There's going to be so much good volleyball on a May and I can't wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like... I was actually going to ask you, I was looking at the beach points today mm-hmm. can you explain to me and everyone who's listening mm-hmm. so i saw that alex um and ross said that they qualified like how does that because basically how is that happening basically can like, you explain mathematically mathematically they they are qualified like they have because they're at the top right they're technically one in world rankings but sarah and melissa qualified because they won the, worlds, they're one right? yeah sarah and mel have qualified because they won worlds um they are right. I, I think they're number one in the olympic provisional rankings but mel and sarah are still yeah. ranked number one in the world because there's three different ranking systems there's the there's the <sighs> world rankings there's the entry point okay. rankings which is how where it determines where you're ranked in in any yeah. given weekend and that fluctuates and, quite a yeah. bit and then there's the olympic provisional rankings and so like the olympic provisional rankings it's like it's like takes like your 12 best results type 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 stuff ah uh, okay right? so that's why it's different than the fivb results right, or yeah, ranking exactly because so, it takes the top 12 yeah. of your personal got it yeah okay. exactly whereas like right. whereas like the fivb rankings i think it like it takes the 
the bulk of it and and adds everything together and then like as you get further and further away from events like those like stop to lose meaning whereas right. like, whereas yes, like this exactly. it's, you know it's it's more so so that's why alex and afo are, are technically um actually there's a really good um uh it's called the beach volleyball blog go check it out mm. uh, the the guy is now part of my my discord and actually he just posted yesterday um uh, basically, he 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 thinks it's going to be like six thousand eight hundred points is going to be the magic number to be able to qualify. So for like Brandy and Heather, mm. for example, they're like right on that cusp, right? Right. I checked today and they were tied for sixth, but that's like there was a bunch of people tied ahead of them. I would have had to count. But also, is it like I saw some that had an asterisk beside it for like country quota? So is each country? Max two per country. Max two per country. Two per country, and each country is dictating who's going based on points. each federation's points. Yeah, each federation. I saw that uh, there was a bunch of American teams that were high in the rankings mm -hmm. and like would technically qualify, and that's who had an asterisk. And it was like country quota, whatever, like too many teams, right? Mm -hmm. I was just seeing which, what beach volleyball I would be able to watch in the next. Dude, Two or three months. April is going to be great because April they have the Cancun bubble. Oh, fantastic! So like all Love of it. all of April, you're going to be able to watch beach volleyball. All of May, you're going to be able to watch in, indoor volleyball, and then we're in it summertime, yeah. and coronavirus is going to be gone. We're going to be able to go outside. So like, oh, perfect, ladies and gentlemen, like we are golden here. It's 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 going to be a grand yeah. old time. Um, I had so much fun watching the beach event. Like it was in um. Qatar or whatever, it was so fun to watch. And and beach volleyball, amazing. It was great. How great was it that the FIVB had every single match was streamed? It was so simple. Yeah. It was just streamed baseline and camera angle, like to get rid of this yep. sideline bullshit. Baseline camera angle. I know, like. I know we disagree about the whole sideline thing. I know, I know. Come on, I will break it down for you one day, and 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 show you. You but, have before, and I'm pretty sure we're just gonna have the same argument we have every time. You were like one Anyways. of the you were one of the few people I know that disagrees with me on this. However, regardless, I know, I know. But it was it was great that you were able to watch all of it, and like because mm -hmm. that was like one of the only places that you could watch it. This chat was amazing. Like there's so many beach yeah, legend, legends chat, that, that were yeah. in the chat. Like the McCabe yeah. bells are going off, and it, it was it was great. And I really hope that the FIVB continues with that for mm -hmm. because it's just. The idea of having this, like the fact that like VNL is going to be behind a paywall on Volleyball World TV, like it just kind of sucks. Is it? I didn't know. I haven't looked into it yet. I'm pretty sure it is. It, I, for, for, I'm pretty sure it was last last VNL, not yeah. last summer, but the year before. It was. It was. Um, the the FIVB is. I'm pretty sure you had to pay. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I think you did. I mean, it's, and like the the, the, the here's here's the reality of like I don't mind paying. Right. And I don't mind that mm. they require us to pay. However, I do think that it's a lack of an opportunity w within the vo like the volleyball crowd is not a it's, it's it, we're not a pay-per-view crowd. You know, we're not mm. a we're not a boxing or like so not, like I'm going to spend money to to buy this. It's you know, yeah. like like someone who I know it, from the, the Ontario volleyball community um, very well. I, I posted about Alexa's uh, uh, playoff game, and he goes, "What's the link?" Mm. And I was like, "Oh, it's this, but you're gonna have to pay for it." And he goes, "Oh, well, like that's how you they get you." And when he first said that, when I was, I kind of th thought he was gonna be like, he's the type of guy who'd be like, "Okay, yeah, no problem." Like, how much is it? Like, mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to watch. And yeah, 
he was just kind of like no you know whereas like when it's available for like like that for free and for everyone to see on a platform like youtube that literally everyone has access to it just grows the game so much more in my opinion don't you i feel like though the paywall stuff is way more on the indoor side than it is for beach don't no, you think it was, it was it was both yeah because the, the, like it was like the beach stream that it was on on the on the beach side there's there is a little yeah but i'm just thinking in general like the avp stuff i guess if you have amazon prime but like everyone has amazon prime so technically yeah. that's a, behind a paywall but i feel like that's a di people view amazon prime and the avp which i love what the avp stuff has done in the last you know three or four years with with having so many tournaments on amazon but people view that like paywall a lot differently than they would view for example buying a euro uh, euro volley tv pass which is for 499 euros a month mm -hmm. even but though I, but you I know mean, for me to that it's still the same thing because you still like it's not like when you turn on amazon prime there's like a promo for like avp beach volleyball when you open it like the only way for you to find and it's not like amazon is if you know it's going is, on is if you know it's going on and yeah, you physically search true. it right so for me yeah. it's it's just kind of like like amazon doesn't doesn't promote you on any of their their feeds or anything like that like they don't push mm. you like even to someone like me and like i know steve bezos is grabbing all of my information i know he <laughs> knows i like volleyball so why aren't you why aren't you recommending yeah. it to me why is why isn't it is, yeah. is it not in the feed so you know that to me is but ah i, I mean mm. it, it's that's it's, something that um au pro volley did and that almost all of their matches were not all, because some of them were broadcasted on USA TV, but a, a majority, I would say, were streamed on Twitch, on YouTube, and linked on Twitter and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And they, I think that that inaccessibility it has been a factor for you know American leagues in the past, and they kind of eliminated that issue. Like it was streamed everywhere. I, you know what? I think that's one of the things that the AU League did very, very well. Um, and I love the fact that when it was streamed on Twitch, it was in a Twitch type stream. Like it had a bit of more of a chat. Like there was people, you know, they had yeah. people there discussing it. And like to me, that was great. I like. Did you do you want to do you want to go? You want to jump into this can of worms here? Let's do it. Because Let's do it. Jump in. What just happened? Whoa. Oh gosh. Sorry, my iTunes just turned on somehow. Um, and you I still had, have iTunes? Come okay, on well, now. Like, I don't actually have iTunes. Like it's just like on my computer because I'm using a Mac, right? Okay, but okay. Fair I, it's not like I I actively use it. Um, I'm a I'm a Spotify Good. guy. Like who? Spotify you know, always. I, back in the day, I had an immaculate iTunes. I would you know go. Oh, and, you were one of those people. Oh yeah. Of course. Like I would. Of course you were. I would like make sure like if I was I, if I was downloading it. I was making sure I had like the album artwork and I had like, you know, all of the information oh, like, good, good to go. Um, cause I had like one Check. of those, I, would just, I had like one of those like 100, 160 gigabyte iPods and like, that was like my oh, Bible, yeah. you know, but then Spotify Solid. came along and then it's just like, okay, well this is just too easy. Whoever uses Apple music still know like Spotify playlist. What did we ever do? I mean, really? I don't think I could function without Spotify. If you're watching this right now on YouTube, you can go listen to it on Spotify right now. So this is this is for oh, the, yeah. the listeners. I mean, I'm not talking. Plug, I'm not. Plug. I'm not talking to you personally because we're not doing this live. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, plug, but uh, yeah. So let's let's talk about the AU Pro League um, mm -hmm. because it 
it, first of all, it just wrapped oh, up. Oh, deep breaths from you. Oh, it, gosh. Well, Already. As I've, I've mentioned my Discord uh, chat a few times, and we've had some spicy conversations about this AU Pro right. League. Um, yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's it, it. I mean, first of all, it just wrapped what? up. Your qualms with it, the format, the like the the format of I mean, the point system or the three matches or the draft situation, like the, the team the, the, formulation, the, the issue. point system and the team formulation issue. Though the point system was so you have issues with both, both, both <laughs> okay. like the, the fact that the fact that you like per, per, to be perfectly honest, I lost interest after like week two, right? And I'm someone who really? loves loves volleyball. It just yeah. I, it, it, it like I still watched it, but it was it was very much of like like for first two weeks, like my girlfriend and I were sitting mm-hmm. down and like you know like I was posting the game, so like we knew when when they were gonna be and we were yeah. watching it. Whereas like yeah. as it moved on, you know it was like we're gonna be playing a game of crib, we're gonna be on our phones, like watch like it's on, but it's like mm-hmm. background noise, and right. it just yeah, it was so hard to create any continuity with the teams as they are always like moving moving around. But then it that was, was one thing. One thing I found, I I run the national team social media. And so I would always have to go and check where, what team Brie was on and wherever. And that part was difficult. I, I, in general, I'll say this first. I think the more times we're playing volleyball, the better, the more people that watch volleyball, the better. I think any athlete who's played overseas will tell you that playing pro overseas is extremely difficult and that we all wish there was a North American league that could offer the same things that playing in Europe or in Asia offers us. But one thing I would say, it was hard to almost follow the draft process. And I think for volleyball specifically, it is kind of a foreign concept, like drafting your team like that. I think initially is like, what, what do you mean you're drafting like each week a captain's drafting. So I think part of it is that we're just not used to the format. And two, I found it really difficult to find out where, because I I know like almost 70% of the girls playing, right? And yeah. to find where, you know, each girl is, which team they're all on, I found a little complicated, but that's more like a logistical, okay, how do we publicize this better versus, I did find it interesting. Like some of the matchups when, um, you know, when there was one, one weekend where like all the Minnesota girls were on the same team, like I found that super interesting. Mm-hmm. And then this last week, um, Mia Grant and Deja McClendon were playing beside each other. I'm like, Oh, they went to Penn state together. Like, that's interesting. Like, that's cool. You know? Mm-hmm. And if you just had stable teams, like obviously like that wouldn't happen. But I mean, um, you could still do it on a, like a year-to-year basis or like a season-to-season basis, right? Like, say for example, if they were to make it so that like maybe in like an AU season, and I'm just spitballing here because this is what I do, right? Mm-hmm. And then like an AU season, you have like you know like maybe you have like a fall league and a spring league and maybe even a summer league, right? And like every mm-hmm. single time there's a draft at the beginning and you stick with those teams, you know, maybe that's mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's a little little extreme, but or. Yeah, or I mean, maybe you don't redraft the entire team and you do kind of like, mm, yeah, um, I like, that like too. NFL style where you have like a franchise tag, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. be drafted. Like they, you keep 60% of your team, but then four girls are available to be drafted. And then they go into like a draft pool mm-hmm. and then you could be redrafted or you could not, but the core of the team stays the same. That would be something that I would be 
that would be interesting to see yeah. what but, happens. But but then for me, like the, the point scoring, it just, it got so monotonous because like you had your team captain and because it wasn't a team thing that people were going to be winning, but like, you know, like at what point, like it, it, everyone knew three weeks ago that Jordan Larson was going to win. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, true. And that, but and that, last night, last night, Carsta was in the top four and she lost three straight to Bree's team and she dropped out of the top four. So things changed. And so then Ari and Bree went into spot three and four and Carsta dropped out because her team lost. So I, I, I disagree with that premise about yes, Jordan was going to win, but it's Jordan Larson. Like, of course she won or not, of course, but like, it's not a huge surprise. Right. No, but for everyone else, everyone else there was there i know someone who moved up six spots last night because of their performance but six like, spots so like just just a question like does that benefit them any way more like do you get paid out more if you finish at a higher spot yes yes okay um I, i'm sure it's not like if you finish like because like, i'm sure it's like not if you finish 40th and 39th you're gonna get more but i'm sure like i'm sure it's in, in groupings okay so i i didn't know yeah. i didn't know that part um yeah, I, I guess so. It's just I, I do think that they need to adjust. I saw someone I don't remember on which forum I was on, but one of them said about um, the little barrels that the 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 stats points were fair, which is the hard part, right? Like, mm -hmm. I hope everyone knows what we're talking about. Imagine people who have like, what is <laughs> you get points for each volleyball action, right? Yeah. So like. It, for libero specifically, like it's really hard to accumulate stats in general. So like, or if you just don't get served, if you're a libero and you're freaking diming every ball and you just don't get served in you know, most of the sets that you're playing, but you play great defense, like should you be penalized points wise for not getting served? Mm -hmm. Like, well, that's not really fair, but like versus um, an outside attacker who's getting a set a lot more balls mm -hmm. versus a middle like your percentage counts a lot more than your outside does because you get points per kill not points per execution percentage yeah you know mm -hmm. so i i i i trust them that they they will probably make some adjustments in the scoring system but it is the first season yeah i, so, I mean like don't get I me found wrong it, i found it sorry go ahead you go first. i found it entertaining i i was i i was watching as many games as I could, the time difference for me, because I'm in Turkey, was difficult. Great, but like yeah. last night, yeah, not great. Last night for Bree's last game, we were all able to watch it, all being the, the national team. We all watched it if we weren't in practice because it was early. And that was super fun. Like, and and I, I think they will adjust the point system a little bit, but I definitely think the core of what they're trying to do is really interesting and can only be something beneficial for volleyball like i would play in in i would play in the league yeah you'd like i would do it next year you'd play in the league like oh i'm not committing to anything yeah <laughs> see that's it became, what i thought it became no i i would consider it for next season absolutely absolutely i would because i the volleyball quality while at times was lower than i expected at other points there were some amazing rallies and really, really good volleyball at certain points. I, I think like anything, it's their first season. And so there's some things that they need to work out. And obviously they're working in a bubble, which ideally they wouldn't be working in a bubble, right? So like every it's 
it's COVID. Who knows? Yeah, that's but true. But I, 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 it was it was interesting. I I found it. It's different. I don't even know if it counts as volleyball because it's like so strange. The point system, right? Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting to me. It it was definitely interesting to me too. And like, I love the fact that they were doing it. And I and I think when you look at at it objectively as well too, I think it's it's hard because, like. I'd love for this to grow as into a real league, you know, where we have like real teams. What do you mean by real, real league? Like in a real league where we have teams located in, in places that have specific fan bases to those teams that are injected Mm, into the community. And, you know, and and I'm not talking about like, like a real league. Like we don't need to have an NBA, NFL, NHL level league. (laughs) You know, this is one thing I've learned so much about watching European volleyball is that professional sports in general outside of North America has a much different look on average than what we know. Completely different. Right. Absolutely. The club system. 100%. 100%. Like, I would love I, I would love belonging to a club I, I, is so different. I, and you know like I would love to see that happen, but all things considered, I think they did an amazing job at mm-hmm. just creating an event and and creating an event that was palpable and not shit. Because like how many mm-hmm. times have you seen volleyball stuff that's just done half-assed with like no yeah. thought put to it? And I think that they like the whole production side and, and everything like that it was it was very good. The fact that they were able to yeah. pull this off was very good. The names that they got, in- incredible. Mm-hmm. But it just and a lot of it was athlete, athlete um, driven, organized mm-hmm. and athlete driven, which is so important. Like so, I cannot underestimate that. Like, like Jordan, Cassidy, like the girls who have been involved in the beginning of planning and AU, like put their heart and sweat into this, and I think they are trying to establish a league where athletes are actually heard and are in charge of what happens to them. Mm-hmm. And like, this is something super small, but like the fact that they could wear leggings instead of shorts. I don't know why that I like hold on to that, but like for me, that's huge. It was like, that just shows like that, that are athletes who are not thinking about how they look. They're caring about how they feel and how they can perform their best. It, it like was, that is fantastic. It was surprising to me. And, you know, like, because it was like brought up in like one of those like little like vignette things that they were doing in between sets. Yeah. And, and my girlfriend was just like, once again, she's not a viable person whatsoever. She's a dancer. So she was mm-hmm. like, oh, like I didn't even notice that. And I was like, yeah, kind of. So like, first of all, I like the fact that you could tell that the tops of their leggings were a different material so that they could help them slide. But also yeah. I almost found that they looked better wearing the leggings. Like it looked more professional. It looked like a little bit sleeker. Mm. Like I, I liked the look of the, le- the leggings quite a bit. And you I know de- what my response to that will be. What's that? We don't care what it looks like. Okay. We fair enough. We care about how we perform. We care like, yes, of course we want it to be palatable so that people will watch, but like, shouldn't the number one thing be like how athletes perform and how they feel if they feel good they'll play good no absolutely and not be worrying about shorts like i mean so coming like, coming from the guy's side of the game like 
that was like that was always a big worry like how you look like that look good feel good play good mentality is a huge yeah. thing like your drip on the, the guy's side of the game oh I, for sure i think yeah. like that's that's kind of like what i was looking at it too is that like i found the leggings to be like they had swag to them you know like i yeah, I, I, I would love to see and like not to say like i think that like if you want to wear leggings wear leggings if you want to wear spandex yeah wear spandex hell if you want to wear shorts wear shorts like i really i really could care less yeah if you want to wear a bikini exactly. on the beach wear a bikini you know like it's yeah do it do what you want like that's that's my whole thing like do what makes you feel good like not just because you think you have to like do what makes you feel the best what one so the fact that they got to choose which is the important part they got a they got a choice Mm -hmm. and they got to make it for themselves which is what i care about they got to make that choice for themselves I, I definitely so. I definitely agree with, I, I definitely agree with that you know just having that you know and even I found it interesting how um, like Sai Michelle for example and she's been having such a mm-hmm. doing such a great job with her her blog and stuff like that and one of the big things this year is that she hates um, she hates uh, all of these photo shoots that these women's yeah, teams have to her, do yeah and then the calendar stuff. and then i saw like some people commenting in some forums and being like it's so funny like she talks about how she doesn't want to do these photo shoots and the first thing that they do when they're in athletes unlimited is go do a bunch of photo shoots and i was like true but at the same time these photo shoots that they're doing for athletes unlimited are very much on their own terms it seems like it was the girls yeah. organizing it so not like hey guess what you have to go do this bikini photo shoot for a calendar that we're going to be selling across the town and guess what they most people in the town may not know that we even have a volleyball team but they're going to know what you guys look like in a bikini yeah and and i the whole photo shoot thing is a whole nother discussion but my the issue that athletes have with the calendar stuff is that once again we have no our opinion is not wanted it is not asked it is contractually obligated and so you don't have a say in how you're represented, which people will say, well, you signed the contract. You knew what you're getting yourself into. Yes. But it's not like on the contract, they write, okay, you're going to have to stand in a bikini in front of on this beach. So these people who, you know, you don't know will take your picture and then you have to sign it for the next eight months and you don't have control over the editing or what you're wearing. Like that is what people have an issue with. There is nothing wrong with people. Like I know some, I've done photo shoots almost every year, except for this one overseas. And some athletes love it. And it's super fun. Like who doesn't like doing a photo shoot? But there's a difference when you have a choice in how you're being shown what you're wearing. And there's a, there's a wide spectrum of what goes on on during those photo shoots. So the difference between like the Athletes Unlimited athletes choosing to go do a photo shoot and having to contractually go stand and do you know i think of sarah sarah pavin who had to do that like santa do you remember that one when they, she was in italy oh her last God, season yeah right i think of that situation and she said no and she said and she got laughed at and they tried to make her feel bad and she said fine i'll wear the santa costume you know like oh. freaking that's just sarah pavin being a boss because that's who she is you know what i'm saying but like that those situations happen all the time Mm -hmm. and we have no our opinion is not wanted in those situations which is is unfair so i think there's a big difference between an athlete choosing to do a photo shoot with their friends for fun versus having to do a calendar photo shoot when they have zero control or say over how their bodies are portrayed 
Yeah. So I, 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 I that's my two cents, <laughs> but uh, I, I could go on and on about that. No, I, I 100% ag- I agree with you, but it's just, it's better when it comes from, you know, I, I can't speak yeah. to it because, you know, I've never, no one would ever ask me to do a photo shoot. Let's be honest here. Right. Yeah. So like I've had my, in Germany, we always did photo shoots and, and both times I can say I had a really, really good time doing it. It was fun. I never felt uncomfortable about it. Um, I was always nervous, like which photo they were going to pick and if it looked good, obviously, but there's been, I've had teammates who have texted in the group chat being like, Oh, I can't believe this photo shoot I had to do today. You know, I, I was wearing a lingerie or I was wearing this and they don't feel great about the experience and they don't, they don't feel good after. And so that's when it's like, well, okay. If, if they're not enjoying themselves and they're being harmed in some way, like, why are we still doing it? You know, but if you say something, you're sometimes labeled as Sarah can attest to, like they make fun of you or they judge you or they say that you're not, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, which I I really think is unfair. So I agree. And I mean, hey, Sarah's got the last laugh, too, because she's a fucking beach world champion and all of those Heck other yeah. girls can go, you know, <laughs> she looked she looked fantastic in that Santa suit. So really, who got the last laugh? Sarah. Man, Sarah did, I feel sure. like people don't really know or understand the personality that Sarah Pavin has because she's so like quiet and stoic and like serious when you see her. But like mm-hmm. when when you get to see her kind of like let loose a little bit, she's she's a great like Funny and she's, goofy. yeah she's yeah. A, a fun person to be around. Yeah, like totally. you, okay. you yep. like do you do you do idolize Sarah a little bit, don't you? Like, I just respect some Sarah for a bunch of reasons some of them to do with volleyball, some of them not. I love how she went to Nebraska and got a fantastic education and she didn't take basket weaving. She took like some oh, crazy. She, she was like I, biomed. I like, forget what it like was. She, like she, and, yeah. she, and she was like a 4.0. I remember her telling me one time and I was just kind yeah. of like, who are you? Like, how do you do all of this? Yeah, she, she really valued her education, which is something, it's why I chose to go to Michigan. It's something I really valued as a student athlete. She's someone who has always stood up for herself and and said when things are wrong and when she's felt uncomfortable i think she's a boss like just volleyball wise like i like i love watching her play i think she's an exciting athlete to watch whether it's was indoor or or beach i find it really fun to watch her yeah i think she's fantastic so yeah love sarah she's great do you think that she's had a do you think that she's been a, ca- a catalyst in the change and growth of women's volleyball within Canada? And, you know, like, and, you know, I, I think not only from the fact that like all of the things you said, like, you know, you, we, you and I are the same age. Like we grew up in that era of like, when we were first getting into the game, like Sarah Pavin was going into Nebraska and like she was yeah. at Nebraska and then she was in pro. So like we got to watch that, that, that process mm-hmm. growing up. But then also like, I feel like when she left the indoor national team, it was kind of like a huge wake up call to being like, Hey guys, like we're not doing something right here. And you know, 10 yeah. years later, like, look, I think everyone's in a better position because of the steps that she's taken along the way. A hundred percent. And I, I don't want people to forget that at the time, some people were extremely critical of Sarah for Hugely, that choice. Massively critical. Because like, let's I'm be honest. I'm trying to be politically like, correct. <laughs> massively critical. Because like, let's be honest. It's not like yes. our beach team was glowing, like doing anything good back then. Yeah. You know, like, well, yeah. like we, had, we weren't winning medals. We weren't qualifying for events. Like Canadian volleyball a decade ago was a much different place. And like some of these Gen Absolutely. Zers need to realize yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think 
she also showed people, including myself, that you have a voice and you have a choice on what you do. And you don't always have to listen to naysayers or, and she wanted to be an Olympian. And so she, she did what she felt was right. And she tried on indoor and realized that it wasn't the path. And so she made a choice and did an incredibly difficult thing by switching sports. It's not, you know, I've thought about switching to beach. It is not easy to do what Sarah has done. I think because Sarah's always been someone who always shows up. She always executes that it's maybe lost how difficult what she did really was. Like I remember watching her first couple tournaments, like years ago now, and <laughs> she'd only been playing beach for like four months and she was already, I was like, Oh my God, Sarah's so good. But like what she did as an athlete to switch positions at such a high level, like I don't think anyone can really do it, what she could have done, but you know, she was really criticized for that choice for following her dreams and saying, no, I want to be an Olympian. And like, this is how I do it. Like what a badass. And like, I wish we were all like that. <laughs> to be honest, like when you think back to it too, like, like that path of being an Olympian wasn't a guarantee back then. Like, no, there was, yeah. there was nothing saying it's very it's, different. It's not like, you yeah. know, like Heather Bansley wasn't a multiple time best defender in the world, you know, like right. yeah. she was a, there was no guarantee. None. And, and now not. she's a yeah. world fucking champion. You know, like, yeah. like that to me is like, that's a story that like, like, like that, that's a big one. Like that is like shows like the true, like one of the biggest like growth stories of Canadian volleyball. Yeah. And I mean, and I, 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 I don't want to disregard anything other members of like, especially on the women's side, like, you know, when you like what Heather has done and what Melissa's done, what Brandy's done, yeah. what like Jamie Broder and, and, um, Mm-hmm. And Christina Valius did like Christina, b- yeah, b- b- before them, and I think it's very much been a, a program thing, um, you know. But like, I I definitely think that because I, I mean Sarah, she's the Christine St. Clair of volleyball, right? Yeah, like, and she-, she was also like her dad. Also, for me personally, I remember he he made a point to talk to my mom about going to the NCAA. And like what that was like and and what we needed to do. And she always talks about this. But I remember when I was getting recruited, she was one of the only athletes. There were a couple other like known NCAA Canadian players, but very few, like less than five, really. And and Sarah being from Ontario and being um, going to the NCAA, it also made it a lot more possible in my mind when I was getting recruited that it was something I could do and I was good enough to do it, you know? So I think she's she's had a lot of impact in a lot of different ways. But for me personally, that's one thing I think about. Like I I don't if Sarah hadn't gone to Nebraska, I don't know if a lot of other athletes would have continued to the NCAA. I like I you're very right. I I I agree with that. Especially like I remember walking around on crutches uh, at 18 U, 18U nationals in Abbotsford, our, our 18U nationals. Oh God. Yeah. 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 And, uh, cause I sprained my ankle on day two. Thanks a lot. Victoria chargers. Um, <laughs> but he came under the net. Still, still, still bitter. holding a grudge. Still huh? bitter. Um, but, and I remember how many years ago was that? Gosh, uh, that was 11, 11, 11 years ago, 11 years um, ago. But you know, Solid. and I, I remember, you know, and like asking because, you know, my team was done and all of everyone wanted to go on hikes and I couldn't because I was on crutches. Mm. Um, so I just like sat around and, and watched games. You guys finished fourth at that event? 18 <sighs> nationals? I don't even, yeah, not, we didn't win. 
That's no, I'm like, pretty sure you lost to Calgary was my, in the semis or in the quarters. That was my second 18U year because I had yeah. played up and then came back yeah. down. But I like, I, and I still remember like walking around and, and talking to people, being like, "Okay, like Michaela Reeser, like where's she, where's she going? Mm-hmm. Like where where are where, like where's like Ali Gotch going? Like where's uh, where where, yeah. where where are all the top players going?" And you know, if they were going to the NCAA, it was schools that like I had never heard of before. And mm-hmm. then it was just like, "Oh, that's Jen Cross, and she's going to Michigan." And you know, mm-hmm. um. As as you know, my my history of my association of national championships with you is very high, because it seems like <laughs> like for, for, I've talked about this before, but my first ever memory of a Canadian national championship walks into walks into a gym in Moncton, and Jen Cross is like front and center, crushing a step around and like yelling, and I'm 15 years old and being like, oh my goodness, like what what am I getting myself yeah. into? Um, Back in the day, huh? But, you know, like, you were, like, the only athlete that I remember who was going to, like, a big school and a big program. Mm. And now if you look across, like, we've got girls at Wisconsin. Everywhere. There's girls at, like, everywhere. everywhere. Like, yeah. And it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. I, and I know people get hung up on the NCAA thing. I, I was telling Everett before I was listening to Shai's uh, episode with Everett on the podcast. And Shai was talking about how if you get a chance, everyone should go to the States. And I text everybody like, no, don't say that. Um, I, I truly believe that whether you go to the NCAA or, or U sport is the wrong question to be asking yourself when you get recruited. The question is, where is the best place for me, regardless of if that's in the NCAA or U sport. And that I feel like it's the pendulum's always swung back and forth i feel like it goes back and forth all the time about well athletes go to the ncaa and they have either really great experiences or really terrible experiences and that kind of shades people one way or the other um but in general like there is a place for everyone to play and i don't necessarily think everyone should go to the ncaa i think you should go to the school that's the best place for you so there's a lot of things to get into that but I think, Continue, go, go, go. I, I think when you look at the national team, that's very true. Like you look at, the, the, you know, you've got like yourself and, and Alexa Gray who went down to the NCAA, played for big schools. You've got a Kira, yep. Kira Van Rijk who played at UBC, you know, for, for two yep. years. How You've got Danny who played at VIU in the CCAA. Exactly. Right? Like, like, and, yeah. and like that path isn't isn't guaranteed. Volleyball is like a late blooming sport. Maybe I think yeah. I think for girls it's a little bit earlier. I think we know that like based off like the, L- yeah. the LTAD model. But still, like I I definitely fully agree with that. I think that for certain athletes, like for example, I don't know if you would have enjoyed your time as much at a U sports school. Like I think that's the thing though. For me, going to the states was one hundred percent no doubt in my mind the right choice for me. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is that there's some athletes who it's not the right place for them, and I can. I go on and on about how much I love Michigan, clearly. Clearly, like, yeah. I I am a hardcore, like, go blue. I bleed Michigan to the day I die. I had the best experience ever. However, that does not mean that everyone who gets an offer to the States should go. And, and it might not be the best place for them. The amount of people I see go to a school who doesn't have the program that they want like mind ball, mind blowing to me. Like you're going to school. Like if they don't have a program, you shouldn't go. Either they don't like the coach, or they fall in love with the idea of a scholarship, but don't really want to be playing Division One volleyball. And maybe going to U Sport, where 
the season is spread out and it's a different environment, then that's where they would have thrived as an athlete and would have developed the most. Like, okay, for example, Brandy. I played Brandy in high school volleyball when she was at Mayfield. I hope she remembers this. I'll have to talk to her. I'll have to send her a message. But we played each other in high school volleyball. And she ended up staying at York and developed into a world-class beach athlete. Mm-hmm. If Brandy had, had gone to the States, she would not be in the position she is now. No, because so, like, she would have been eaten alive at like because like we remember in, in club yeah. volleyball. Like she was like people people She had not figured out her coordination yet. She was so physical, but she had a wonky left arm swing, you know, like I mean it's still pretty wonky, athlete, but it was way wonkier. It was a T Rex swing. It was back way then, wonkier. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Whew. For sure. Yeah. And like once again, going to the NCAA would not have aligned with her eventual goals. I don't know if she had this vision of being a beach athlete back then. But staying in Canada opened the door for her to become a beach future, possibly Olympian, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so if she had gone down the path that, well, this looks nice, like this is what people should do, the highest level athletes should do, well, you know, like, and I say that as someone who, once again, loved Michigan. I, it was the, being a student athlete in the NCAA was the best thing I've ever done. But that doesn't mean it's best for everyone. Yeah. So. I could not have said it better myself. I agree. Absolutely. Was there any yeah. was there any U Sports schools or CIS schools back then that recruited you? Not a single school recruited me. That but, is the funny but part. When when did you when did you confirm going to Michigan? Well that's that's the well, thing. Well that was the thing. I've I brought it up with coaches since and be like, you guys didn't even try to convince me. And they all said, Well, we knew right away you were going to the States and I committed fairly early. I, I was um I just turned 16 i think i was pretty young i was in the beginning of grade 11 mm-hmm. um so i i was early and it was a big 10 school and i was a top recruits blah 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 blah. but no canadian schools approached me ever to try to throw wrinkle in the plan you know and it is there is a really big difference in the way uh canadian coaches recruit the timeline is just backed up. So they do kind of have a disadvantage, like high performance athletes are identified earlier for women, especially like the regional team program and all that stuff, like high level athletes are being identified, but the recruiting process doesn't really pick up until the end of your U 17, but mostly in your U 18 year Mm -hmm. for U sport, Mm -hmm. which during COVID and everything actually, spoke to a lot of teams, a lot of athletes about recruiting, most of them Canadian. And that was a big fear that they were like, what are we going to do for recruiting now? Athletes were, are, are still very concerned about, you know, recruiting for youth sport because it just happens very differently. It's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I feel like the time between when you first have contact with the coach and when you actually commit is like a year long versus NCAA, like once you start the like unofficial visit process, it's within those like four or five months that you're making your choice. Oh wow, so, that's quick. Yeah, like I, I, I'm trying to think, but I got identified, um, I was playing a year up, so I was, I was playing U17, but I was actually 15 mm-hmm. years old at a tournament in Vegas. Um, which was a huge showcase tournament. And as we talked about before, or not everyone knows, but I played for a very good club volleyball team, Derm Attack. We're the only team to win five consecutive national championships. 
we're the best. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know everyone hates us. Whatever. <laughs> we're great. So we were in Vegas and that team in particular had a lot of athletes who were going to the States. Um, so I got identified that way and that was in like March. And then by, I started the unofficial visit process in like August of like the next next uh school year and then i was committed by october like there was only like a two and a half month time between my actual like calling coaches or responding to coaches and then going on visits and stuff it was really fast that's crazy yeah so like youth sports is is just at a disadvantage because if you want to try to persuade athletes who are on the path or possible path to go to the ncaa youth sport athletes or coaches have to catch them really quick in the development. And it's just different of how that system, but from the coaches I've spoken to recently, they are shifting earlier and earlier to try to adjust, but it's just, it's a different system. I've it's def- just, so it's hard. I've definitely seen a big shift in youth sport volleyball, both on the men's and women's side of mm-hmm. starting to take it more seriously in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, like if we take York, for example, where Brandy played, when Brandy was playing there, they had a part-time coach, right? They had a part-time coach yeah. that who was like yeah. also a high school principal, right? Whereas like now I don't think you can find part-time coaches in, in anywhere in, in use in youth sport where every everything now is a full-time coach. And, you know, even if yeah. you look down into the the CCAA, I feel like has always been pretty strong, you know, in like the in Quebec and in the West Coast, whereas like the OCAA yeah. has gotten significantly stronger in, in the past few years. So I, I definitely see that, you know, the programs in Canada are starting to catch up and that more and more, you know, like if you like, like there's very few, I feel pro- like Benjo, Benjo at Trinity has, you know, he's working there. He's that's, got that's, a dynasty though. That's, but that's, that's another Trinity. story. That's like, that is the, that is the best program for men's volleyball in North America. hundred percent. Without a doubt. He didn't, he didn't get there by, by sitting on his thumbs and no. waiting till 18 new year to recruit. So like, I look at what Benjo's doing and the type of, Cause you know, we would always talk about, well, this athlete or whatever. And like, he's, he's, he's working it like early as he should, as I think he should be. That is the um, most underrated. And because like people on the outside of volleyball, the people who just watch, like don't see how much work he puts into, to, to, um, to recruiting. But what's always been a, a, astonishing to me is how he continues to like, maybe not like recruit and talk to but how gracious he is with athletes after like they've they, you know they're not going to trinity or, yeah. or something like that but yeah like that yeah. that that age limit in or that recruiting age is really starting to come down uh in, in canada yeah and and i definitely think like i once again the pendulum swings the other way like in the ncaa they've been dealing with an issue for years now about how it's so young like it's crazy young and they're they've had to put um the NCAA has had to put rules in place for volleyball because it has just become like this, like people are committing when they're 14, 14 new, yeah. which to me, yeah, it's just crazy. And like, they're being, a, the once again, um, USAV system is different in terms of identification, but they're being identified so early, which I was, I didn't start playing until 14 new. Like that's crazy. Like, and people are committing to go to college. Like what? Like for me, that's too young. Yeah. Even I, me, I, I I wouldn't have changed my decision, but like at the time, emotionally, my best friends will tell you like, gosh, I was a disaster those like three or four months. Like you could ask the crush boys oh, could, and, and the girls. I, I, I could was not terrible. imagine. Oh, it, I was a stress ball. Like I was so. You, you were definitely so was, neurotic. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like, well, I was, I was just so afraid of making the wrong decision. And 
less so now, but I feel like there's still a lot of mystery and you just don't know that much as a Canadian going to the NCAA. Like there's still this kind of veil of information of what you should be asking. How much can you trust this? Even the system, like what's an unofficial visit? What's an versus an official visit? What, what conferences should you be interested in? Is this coach legit? What are the rules versus like, you can call them, but if they miss, like they can't call you like stuff like that. That is just like the nitty gritty rules of NCAA is difficult there is a barrier to entry Mm -hmm. like there is a barrier of knowledge which is not ideal for canadians for sure i I definitely agree and i think you know as i mentioned i think the the quality of coaching in canada has has gone up so high um you know i agree and like there's 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 very few programs i would say hey you know what you're better off going to the ncaa than going to play for like a doug reimer or a dustin reed or like yeah. a melissa bartlett you know like like there's i would play for all three of those coaches I, like, you know you like, know like absolutely I, like if you're gonna we go used to not be able to say that though we used it used to be a really it was a thing that you know depending on where you went you didn't know what type of coaching you're get and especially i feel like in ontario especially i'm we are more keyed into the ontario volleyball scene mm-hmm. than anywhere but um I feel like every, almost every program in Ontario right now is on the up. And like, you look at what Dustin and Christine are doing and Jen at, at York. Yeah. Um, Jen, who's a, a friend of mine, who's my age and like killing it. Like that's sick. Mm-hmm. That that's what we need. We need athletes returning to the sport. We need female athletes. We need knowledgeable a- or coaches, you know, like who, who know what's going on, who have some experience outside of Canada. And I feel like there's been such a dramatic increase in the, in the quality of coaches in Canada for sure. Yeah, I, that that to me is like the uh, years ago. I think it was like 2013. I was doing some like uh, contract work for Volleyball Canada, and they wanted me to compile a list of all of the coaches in, in Canada who had coached at national championship the year before, and their goal was to find out like who had their levels. But as yeah. I was doing this, I was finding that there was a huge gap of coaches where there was a lot of coaches who were like 45 plus 50 and then like under that there was a huge gap and then there was a lot of 20 year old coaches and what i've noticed a lot over the past decade is that those young 20 year old coaches haven't left the sport you know Mm -hmm. before that it was the the coaches who coach volleyball were the high school coaches the the middle school coaches you know the teachers who had the time to be able to do that but now more and more like i find that the the coaching development in in ontario specifically and i I know it's happening elsewhere too has had is is leading to a dramatic like a dramatic increase in how we play the game in canada because there's coaches who are young and enthusiastic and they know how to play the game the right way well even think about shanice marcel who is a current beach national team athlete but still highly involved in the york coaching program and is still involved at york which is just i feel like would not have happened no. five years ago you know yeah i agree and and to have access to or it, for example a couple of weeks ago i did um a zoom call with the titans volleyball club and sophie is one of the coaches of the team mm-hmm. um sophie is a another beach athlete so, so, so like, Quebec. yes um and and like how great is it for those athletes to have that exposure of, of, of a high level athlete but who's coaching at a club level like that's fantastic Shanice at York like the more we can keep female athletes specifically involved in the in sports and coaching longer the better we're going to be and it also ties in to the national team is that 
for a long time we've had um, an issue with keeping athletes playing past like 26. And for there's so many factors that go into that, but we've had a it's it's just not an issue for the men. You look you look at the men's team. I mean, hey, if Gavin wanted to come back, I'm pretty sure they would have him. You know, like athletes just in general play a lot longer on the men's side than they do on the women's side. And whether that's because we're stopping to have families or our bodies are wearing down, but a lot of it is just like lifestyle, right? Like to play overseas is difficult to play on the national team is difficult. And it just seems to be, we're having a longevity issue. And so we really, as like a program or volleyball in Canada, like how do we keep athletes in the game longer? And then once they do retire, how do we keep them in the sport for their, their lives? Really? Like that's ideally what you would want. You would want the most experienced people coaching the next generation. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what the shift or what caused the shift in Ontario specifically and elsewhere about, about athletes, you know, our age still like involved in coaching, but something had to cause it, you know? So whatever they did, we need to keep, keep going and keep athletes in the game longer and coaches in the game forever. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like we've also seen a huge increase in, um, high quality female coaches, you know, for so long, yes. like Christine Drakich and it was like Christine Drakich and, and Lori Eisler you and, know? and Lori. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and now like, if you look at the, the OUA, like we mentioned Jen Nielsen and we mentioned, uh, Melissa Bartlett, we got Natasha Spaulding, uh, as well mm-hmm. d- down at, down at Queens. And like, um, it, there's so many good young female coaches who are just bringing a different perspective to the game. You know, even like I've always had like massive respect to like Brenda Willis, who, you know, was a female coach on, yeah. on, the, on the men's side of the game. Yeah. And, she was a boss. Love uh, her. Yeah. I actually, I've, I've been thinking recently she share, she liked, uh, when I second time I posted China's, uh, podcast because China's podcast has been out for a while and I just completely like my ADHD like I had <laughs> I had posts to promote it on Instagram and everything and it just it just it got just lost. didn't happen yeah so it's, it, lost somewhere in it's, the it's, it's been on the website and on and it's got like some good views and now it's getting like a second research yeah. so it's great but she shared it yesterday and I was like man I need to have Brenda on here because like Brenda she's is, got some knowledge she, she's that, seen some stuff she's, she's seen, seen some, some stuff. stuff and like all, yeah. you know Brenda has also been like a huge part of like my development in the volleyball world as mm. well so like i mm. commentated my first game ever uh with with brenda back back in 2011 um solid i would just love to hear her whole story about how it was coaching but especially, especially in the early days you know like yeah like when she's like an og like yeah like she was like, i remember like this was uh it was canada games so um the summer of 20 Oh nine or twenty? I th- yeah, oh nine. I think, I me and Ali Gok were so young on that team, and we were training at U of T. Um, and some of the on the boys team were talking about her with such respect, you know, and like admiration. And I just remember thinking, like, how? Like, I was sixteen at the time. Like, how cool is that? Like, it just seems so out of place for her to be coaching on the men's side. And I would love to hear how she got that job how it was and her I'm sure the things she's had to overcome as a coach I would love to hear that so you got to get her on the podcast got to convince her oh I don't I want to hear I don't think it would take any convincing at all I think it would just take a quick message and be like Brenda let's do this and she'd be like absolutely (laughs) you know like I just remember the the boys the boys that were on the the Canada 
or Team Ontario, whatever it was called, games team would would always speak about her in such respect. And she would sometimes she would show up at training and help and stuff, um, which I always it made an impact on me about how much they respected her and listened to her. And yeah, just as someone who who could tell a very fun story, I feel like so you got to get her on. I mean, like I yeah, so. I remember being like in grade seven playing boys basketball and like in, at my high school <laughs> and our, our woman was a coach. And I mean, for me having a female coach was never a thing. Like my mom was my first soccer coach when I was four. Right. And yeah. she was continued. So it was, it was never an issue, yeah. but you know, like, and I mean, let's, I went to maybe not the, it wasn't like I, I grew up in the suburbs. I didn't go to the, like my high school in the suburbs. Like we had a, a police officer constantly at my at, at my at my school, um, and I yeah. was also the only white kid on the basketball team uh, as as well too. Because you know I go to a French school where we've got a lot of Haitians, we got a lot of Africans, we got a lot of Lebanese kids. Um, yeah, and it's it, Canada. What do you expect? Yeah, hundred percent. And I was very astonished to see how right off the bat this female coach um madame gamash just came and like took control of the, the court mm. and all of these guys who you know i'd seen them in class i'd seen them around you know some of them yeah, you, some of them didn't finish high school and ended up in jail and stuff like that but in grade seven like she, she had their respect had their respect yeah you know yeah. and it just took no shit and you know i could yeah. honestly i'd see you coaching guys more so than girls yeah, I feel maybe. Like, I, I've, you know, I've, I've done I, both I do and, have and know the difference between the two of them. And something yeah. tells me that especially with like kids, <laughs> kids today who aren't necessarily, oh, um, you know, like, like, like you, let's say, um, you might mm -hmm. be better on, on the guy's side. Yeah, it, it's definitely something I thought about. And I, a lot of people have asked and Sh Shannon got hired was like, oh, she's the first woman. I'm like, yeah, it took way too long to have a woman. But then also I never think about like, imagine if after the Olympics, a, a woman would get considered for the men's job. Like that seems super formal to us, right? So like, I still think there's a lot of work to do in that area, like just with us and our expectations. Like I would never think personally, like I'll be honest, like if, if a woman was hired as the men's coach, I'd be like, oh, super weird, super strange. But like, why is it we think that? Like, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of work socially, I think, as a, as a, it's not just volleyball, but this goes with everything, yeah, this, right? This, like, this goes way past volleyball. Way past volleyball. This is not just a volleyball, volleyball thing, but yeah, it's just crazy. Like there, it, is there another female coach who has coached U Sport or CIS other than Brenda? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know any personally, but cause she always stood out in my mind and be like, oh, I always thought that was so cool. But I don't know if there's if there's been anyone else. Not to not to maybe like definitely probably like assistant coaches and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I'm sh yeah I'm sure know, there's been assistants. Um, but like like in, I'm pretty sure head coach. like Mark Dodds at at um at Saskatchewan, his wife Shelly is is one of the assistants and and mm. you know stuff like that and you know like I I think that's great too. But I don't think anything like Brenda where she was the head coach. Um, yeah, and you know what? That's the thing. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if you're a male or a female, if you can communicate with your athletes, then that's what, that's what matters. Absolutely. Right. But 100%. like, I, I like that, that's what really matters. If you can communicate and you can coach them and you can lead them, then like, it really shouldn't matter. But for, you know, in 2021, it's still incredibly foreign. So, and 
Do you know when Brenda got that job at Queens? Dude, like she, she was, had had she, it for she, no, she was there for a like, long time. Like 20, 30 years. Yeah, like, like a long, a long, long time. time. And I mean, I, I yeah. did know the stat at one point, and I've forgotten it. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think I think the the the. That what we need to be doing is having sitting Brenda down just like this. Yeah, this is a, becoming like a Brenda hype podcast. Yeah, we've, we've hyped a few people. We've hyped Sarah. Um, we've hyped Sarah yeah, Pavin. We've, we've we've hyped we've hyped Brenda. So, yeah, people. All great people to hype though. So oh, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to keep going. Hundred percent, right? So, it's yeah, it's 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 interesting to think of, you know, how, and I I think we're going to continue to see more and more. Um, women's coaches jumping into the game and i think we need to yeah like for me when i was coaching i think we do too when, for me when i was coaching girls volleyball it was very important for me to try to bring in like female coaches and specifically mm-hmm. ones who had like never coached before you know like i didn't want to mm. go and like poach an assistant coach from someone and be like you know like i wanted to be yeah. like, like you know like you are like like i don't know if you don't know like jesse caliph um no i don't think so very involved in like the U of T program. Like she was one of my uh, assistant coaches and like, she's great. She's like, she's still coaching and stuff like that. So mm. I, I think it's very, very important that we have, yeah. you know, like for, uh, for the optics of things, absolutely. Yes. But like for myself as you know, a middle-aged 20 year old male coaching a bunch of 13 year old. <laughs> she just 14... call yourself middle-aged. No, a 20 some, whatever, you know, like I, I got mixed up with my words. No, I'm not. We're not middle-aged. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like, like a 25, 26 year old, like, you know, male, it was, it was very important for me to have female coaches on my team just because like there was certain things that I was never going to be able to relate to my athletes about. And there was certain things that I knew that they weren't going to be comfortable speaking to me about. And that there's certain things that I knew that I was going to relay information that wasn't going to compute well with them. And they just needed something to to explain that, that, that difference. And I think that, I think the difference matters a lot more the younger the athletes are, right? 100%. Like, absolutely. So at at a youth sport level, I I really don't think it it would matter because it's not like you would have an all male staff or an all female staff. Ideally, you would have the best people for the job and it would most likely be a mix. But like for I'm thinking about if I was 14 you, you know, like what I always had male coaches except for one year and she was fantastic. Ann Bodica Grover. Her name was Ann Bodica, and she is an All-American and went to Ohio State. And she was a huge, huge influence on me on where I went to school. She actually, my mom and I, when I was, it was super early in the recruiting process. And um, I had been getting all these like mail packages from schools. And we met up one day at a Tim Hortons and she sat there and she split them into a pile of schools I should talk to and schools that I shouldn't waste my time on. That's amazing. It gave me, it was at the time I had no idea how important that like relationship was and conversation was, but it was vital to like where I ended up and thank gosh she was there. But yeah, I I mostly had male coaches when I was younger, but it's interesting to think, I, I, I think you're right that you just, there would be some things, how you communicate, or you just wouldn't relate in some way to to female young female athletes that it's important to have a female voice for them to relate to. But I think that matters a lot a lot more as you're developing as an athlete, like 14U through even to 18U. I think it would be important. Mm-hmm. I think it just that that's a bigger factor when they're younger for sure. 
in my opinion. Yeah. And there was like in like one of my last years of coaching, I actually coached with Brandy. Brandy and I were assistants, mm. assistants, to get, assistants together on Love a, it. on a, on a 17 U team. And it was great because like, oh, that would have been so fun. our head coach was Keith, Keith Waslick. Yep. Yep. And uh, I do love I love Keith quite a bit, and let's just say that uh, he's perfected his craft. So maybe assistant coaching him wasn't the best for me, who wanted to develop, because it was just kind of like, hey, uh, you're gonna come and like hit down balls, and I was kind of like, oh, all right, like I want to learn, but all right. right. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was great because like a lot of the times it was like, and so this just for context, I started coaching with Brandy. She had just finished like she had just finished her season where like at the end of the season heather picked her up for the world tour finals so like oh nice brandy and i were like subwaying and stuff to practice and like talking about how like you know like this she was like she was so broke and there was so much uncertainty yeah. about what she was going to be doing yeah. but she was having this opportunity and i just i just remember being on the subway on the ttc and like hyping her up and being like dude like, you're going to be yeah. so good. You're going to be so good. Yeah. And sure you got to do like, this. You got to be the like, best thing you've ever done. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, sure enough, like she's, she's there. Um, yeah. but like, I, I still, cool. I still remember like being able to coach, coach with her and how much like the girls would just gravitate towards her as, as well. Yeah. You know, and, and how much, and I mean like she was just a member of the beach national team. She wasn't Brandy. Like she wasn't Brandy back yeah. then. Yeah. 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 And I, I still remember like watching the, these girls faces. Cause we'd always play like two on six and it would just be mm. me and Brandy against the sixth event. And I would just <laughs> chuck balls up. And of course, Brandy's just, just like just half, jump, half jump carving. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. eventually they started to learn to serve me. They, they finally got, they, they finally got it <laughs> along. Um, but like watching these girls and like how eye opening it was to see Brandy mm. like that at practice and see how dominant that was. And it was just kind of like mm. it, it it's definitely important. Well, yeah, and to bring it back to Sarah Pavin, like you think about athletes who had an impact, like Sarah was and continues to be an idol and someone that young female volleyball players look to as a success for him success story and like if i work hard like this is what i can achieve you know same with melissa same with all of those girls like having having strong female people that athletes can look to is so important like could not be understated how important that is for development and i do you think it's the same for men though do you think like that like I feel like it's so critical for women athletes to have no, someone that they can look to. You don't, yeah, no, that's why because, I'm because like, it's, I don't it's know so men... it's, it's so natural, right? Because mm. it, like you, you, we, we grow up and like one of the things that you can be as a young boy is a professional athlete, you know, mm. and not even that's like, an option. And I mean, I'm not saying that's not an option for, for women, but like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like firefighter. I want to be in the NHL. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. You know, mm. and I think that's very, yeah. very much less of the case for 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 women, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I, it's an option in the drop down menu for when you're picking your profession for boys. But for girls, I don't know. That's in like the other category where you got to write it in yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. And like like to be <laughs> yeah. to be perfectly honest, like I've I've noticed like quite a bit looking at like the so social factors between like how why women play sports and why men play sports just from like from what I've like been when coaching and mm -hmm. like. 
I don't know if we're ever going to see the same amount of female interest in sports as we do as a male interest in sports, you know, like, like on, uh, on a fan basis. And I'm not talking about you like know in, what? in women's sports. I'm not talking about like in yeah. women's sports. I'm talking about like in general, like female viewership. Absolutely. And it has nothing to do with like whether they're watching men's sports or women's sports. I think that, you know, in mm. general, there's differences between women and men and sometimes women have other interests that, that lie outside of the sport field where it's much more common for a general male to be like yeah i, I want to watch sports yeah i yeah i wonder i don't know gender norms who knows, who knows? i i don't know i i feel like my view on that is so skewed because i think about like all of my friends not okay i have like three normal friends who aren't in some way involved in volleyball even my friends who are now like doing normal things like once played volleyball you know mm -hmm. or i met them at the sports high school i went to you know so like but, i feel like my the, my circle and like viewership is skewed so to me i'm like every female i know loves and watch sports they watch it as much as i do no but no. like they're still interested but at the I same time like sports, so like mike so. as i mentioned like my girlfriend's a dancer and she does not watch sports. She like until this year, she did not watch sports. So like hanging out yeah, with her. Yeah, but and her she's friends. a dancer. She's an athlete. Oh, hundred percent. So, I've never, I've never. So like, but like, I've never. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not at all. Like, I love my girlfriend for a lot of reasons, but like her drive and her like ability to do stuff like that is one of the main reasons. Yeah. You know. Um, totally. Yeah. And so I've never, ever, crazy. ever, ever said that that's not athletic, but it, it's not a sport. You know, and like talking about what sports are like, like, like they, I, I've had, huh. like, okay. I've, like, like, like their view of sports is a very like North American. It's misogyny. It is bad. You know, like it. Do you, do you view cheerleading as a sport? Competitive cheerleading? Yeah. I watched cheer. It was great. Oh, fantastic show. I, I mean, I didn't okay. actually watch it. I, I edited video. You while, didn't? Well, like, no, 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 no. Let me, I edited, it was like, I was, it was like, I was staring at this computer editing and then it was on the screen, like right over here as, you know, wow. Sam watched it and I like sat there and, and watched, I'd like, I wasn't, you know, attached to it, but I had, oh, I, I was, was I, I was invested. I am still invested in it. I still follow them all on social media. There's one who's dating a big brother alumni, which I'm very fascinated by. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm surprised that. But like, like we're, we're like, we're talking about like. Sorry, what'd you say? You I was just surprised that you don't consider dance a sport. No, I no, 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 but that's but, but like absolute. Yes and no. Well, because you said that she's an like obviously dancers are athletes. Yeah, but like they have no interest whatsoever in like sports sports. Like they have no interest in watching like hockey or basketball or soccer or like you know like even the fact that like yeah, like, but you you just named male dominated viewership sports. What like, about I, I other? Wouldn't, I wouldn't sports. But like even like I'm talking about like like. I, obviously like i watch a lot of volleyball and stuff like that and like they right you know but like i would not okay mm. as athletic as dance is it's not a sport right like there needs to be a winner and loser and like for what they do like after yeah but that's what dance competitions are for but, there are you no know, it because, depends on what type of dance you're yeah because about. you don't do dance competitions after high school like, well, there's dance teams in college 
Yeah, but like I'm like uh, you know my girlfriend's 29 years old and dances for like a company. Okay, I know. And like you know <laughs> wins wins, a, wins like Dora Awards where like she beats out the National Ballet of Canada type stuff. Right. You know? So like we're Fair not enough. like they're yeah, yeah yeah like they are there for the theater. They are there for the art, and it's it's very entertaining and it's very it's, yeah it's very physical and it's very athletic and I would never ever say that they're not athletes. Trust me. 100. Yeah. So watching some of those dancers dance like girls guys they've just got muscles everywhere. Insane. makes me very yeah. insecure however i would not call it a sport right like there's there's no winner okay. in, there's no winner and there's no loser at the end of the day they're all working together yeah. to 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 perform it's a performance right it's but, performance. It's, but it's not a sport Fair. they don't and they like they don't they would not care about like any of those people would not care about like what goes on at the olympics you know and like like i've heard them make like derogatory statements about like in the same way that like 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 about dressing rooms and stuff like that and mm -hmm. you know like you know like so there's there's a very big disconnect i think for some people like there's a big larger percentage of people that don't care about sports whatsoever both male and female yeah maybe i don't know <laughs> i don't know how other i i as i said my view on it is so skewed like sports are like such a pivotal part of my life like volleyball yes but like I am a hard, like I watch, oh, like I'm a, my whole family is a huge Liverpool family. My both, my brother is a hockey coach in the U S like, like sports are a daily occurrence in my house, you know? Oh, my AirPods, my AirPods just died. Um, <laughs> that's how long we've been talking. Yeah. But <laughs> what do you think about the whole NCAA? That's fucking bullshit. Situation? fucking bullshit but it like i think you maybe it was you that posted about it or, or something where it was just I did. like i and it was just it just i went on a soapbox about it. It, it it really shows how it really shows how like little they thought about it you know and yeah. for me like that like that shouldn't be happening because the ncaa is it, it i've been in these types of organizations where you organize events and that i don't mm -hmm. understand how that like that is a that is a decision it doesn't fall through the cracks. Yes. That's a decision where someone went like the women don't need that. And like that yeah. to me, if you've, if you're working for the NCAA and that was a decision you've like, you need to be fired, right? Like that, like that's to me, like it, we need to start seeing firings. Not the fact like it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't never have gotten to the point that Dick Sporting Goods is showing up the day afterwards with, with, yeah. with it, like it needs that, to happen. That was my thing too, that I tried to communicate with people is that, well, there's so many issues with it, but that was an active choice. Like, as you know, when you plan these events, things are not like things are double and triple checked. They go up the system, plans get approved, they get double checked, they get reapproved for budgeting. Like, it was a it was a choice that they made in the planning of the event. And to I feel like they. The NCAA, I feel like the best course of action should have been like, they should have just admitted they messed up. But when they said they're like, it was a, a, a space, space issue. issue. Yeah. yeah. And Sedona Prince, who I find hilarious. She's on TikTok and she's hilarious. When she did the video being like, oh, weird. There's like this whole empty space. Ugh, like it was just a missed opportunity by the NCAA to handle a situation where they could have drawn attention to an issue that like, it was an act of choice. It went through the whole ladder system to get approved. And yes, it's fantastic that they came in and they they 
got stuff from Dick's Sporting Goods and they created this lovely looking weight room. Um, but there's two issues outside of those. One, the comments underneath the posts of the female basketball players advocating for themselves was truly disgusting and i actually screenshotted them and posted them on my instagram because i was so frustrated come on swaggy p you're pathetic like fuck yeah like it was yeah like does he not have a daughter like what it's just and so like yes it's great that they fixed it but like fix like you can fix a weight room but like fixing people's view of some female sports it's not that easy to fix you can't just throw money at it and you can't just throw weight equipment at it like there's a deeper issue that people NCAA sports people in general need to address is that people do not respect certain sports and I someone brought this up to me they responded to my Instagram and was like oh like the NCAA they just don't have the money for it I'm like nah like that is not it like fuck are you talking about you don't have the money yeah like no the ncaa throws i shouldn't say throw they allocate money purposefully like ncaa women's volleyball is an extremely well-funded sport that's because it's the that's because it's the third watch sport in the ncaa like after men's football and men's basketball it goes ncaa women's volleyball right and so i people just need to do a lot of reflection as to why they are so it's not just that they people were mad people were vile to these athletes and saying you guys don't lift you guys can't dunk and like just degrading these athletes and it's just like okay like what like why what in your brain is saying like like but that's hurt you like like, what happened to you like that's why like Like, I, i just i expect that from like the normal pleb like you played maybe some sports in high school, but you weren't good enough to go NCAA because yeah. or, or any 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 post secondary because as soon as you step into a post secondary program, if you're like it doesn't matter if like I went to like oh, I went to Algonquin College for a year and I could see that the girls were grinding and these weren't like like once again like the OCAA I've seen girls who couldn't start for their high school teams go to start for OCAA schools the next year type yeah. of thing not good volleyball but like there's no doubt at all that if you are playing that sport that you are using your time in the gym that you are lifting that you are getting stronger you may not be exactly. necessarily you know like depending on the level you are you may not be working as hard as the the top D1 recruit on the men's side you know if you're like right. oh, like but there, that it's such a disconnect but like for seeing someone yeah. like swaggy p you've played you've played college ball you've been in an athletic department where there's women and men you've seen women push and like that's why like i've always like sarah has been pushing posting a lot of her workouts recently and i love posting them yeah. because like she's lifting heavy weights same with melissa melissa's like maxing out the bar let's yeah. fucking show maxing that. out her deadlifts like let's let's yeah. show that because you know what people love to hype up sam pedlo and, and nothing nothing at all against sam pedlo does a great job on instagram you know like looks great but like we should start pump- selling his brand it's what selling he needs his brand. to do Absolutely. it's great but we should be yeah. showing like we should be showing like th- that side of stuff just as much because you know what like at the end of the day like I, like 
for example, I've heard the argument. It's like these women, like women athletes should be making as much as the men. And to for me, it, it's not about making as much as the men. But like if you look at the WMBA, for example, when they're talking about their salaries, well, the WMBA mm-hmm. only gets 20% of the overall revenue. So only 20% of the overall WMBA revenue is put towards the salary cap for, for the next year. Right. And yeah. that's like that's where that's what the, the WMBA um is is like that's what like they are trying to get they're trying to get the same representation as the men and yet mm-hmm. that message gets distorted by a lot of people who don't know and they're being like you know like lebron james and super should be getting charged the or pay the exact same amount which i disagree with because Le- lebron james is a brand and he he does all of these things but his value yeah. you know that doesn't mean her value isn't isn't lesser but here's my here's my like this might be a little bit silly but how about this? Because I found it very suspicious how quickly and how nice everything was done up. Like the next day, bam, the women's has like, not only is it a nice. See, that did not surprise me at all. I knew that would happen. But, but like, you think about like all the stuff that went down within like 48 hours, there was multiple athletes coming out, multiple physios who had taken photos and like people were pissed. But like, like, Twitter was a dumpster fire. If you clicked on the NCAA tab, it was on Twitter. Like, but, but so, it was bad. so so hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Maybe, maybe, because like it was very like it was like one day it's shit and the next day it's outstanding. Like not only do they have a sea of machines and everything's good, but you've got lights, you've got curtains. Like it's a completely different space. Maybe what if this is a conspiracy theory from the NCAA? Oh God, you're saying it was planned. To play, absolutely. Why not? Because no. how, how? When have we ever cared more about the NCAA women's vo- basketball tournament other than this year because of all no. of this stuff? I'm just saying. There's no I'm way. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's no way the NCAA is a smart, savvy business. It is a business. This is exactly why I'm so, saying that because this was the best. But there's no way they would have t- like taken in the negative press that they received for the possibility that people would suddenly care. There was also a chance, like, there. luckily, there's more people in the comments who are like, this is outrageous, this is terrible. But there's, as we said, like, thousands, those comments got thousands of likes by people who are like, yup, this, this is what they deserve. So, so what? They don't need weights. It could have easily, easily gone the right way. Proposition, if this had happened, say in 2015, I don't think people would have cared because we haven't socially had those conversations about- Well, I mean, people like you and I would have Female men, some people would have cared, but I don't think the response would have been the same if it had happened at a different period of period of time. I think we're in 2021, we're in a period of where people are- Are, are pissed. More woke, more aware, or word. trying to be, you know? And I, I, I do think that people are starting to be more aware of systematic issues and there's lots of them but one of them is female athletes and how they're viewed i don't think it would have had the same response people would have been outraged as much as they were if it had happened even five years ago i just don't think that would have been the response i I really i agree i still think that there would have been outrage maybe not to the same extent but i don't know i i Obviously, I don't actually believe that, but like you know, it's just it's just interesting. It's an interesting conspiracy theory to to to, to think it, about. It was it was interesting to see how pretty the weight room did look, right? Like the, it's, the that, lights that, and the curtains. That to me is the suspicious part because like 
I've once again I've been in these event planning or situations and mm-hmm. I've been in those situations where like okay our original plan doesn't work and we need to do this overnight and it's going to be haphazardly put together like the amount of the amount of organization that went on to be able to make all of that happen was extreme and it just it doesn't compute in my head how they could have done it now maybe i'm i'm possible i'm probably way off but it's just a fun thing fun thing to talk about think about but you know what it wasn't just the weight room it was the food as well too brutal the food the the swag which people are like mad about like well you should be happy you get anything in terms of swag no that to me is the biggest totally. because all you do is double your order with different sizes right it's like it's 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 just yeah. the exact oh, yeah. same thing like you just double you just double all of the sweaters and t-shirts and bags and balls and everything you're doing and you <laughs> give the same thing to the women i mean maybe i just play the middle too much but like i can understand why they did had different suppliers for the men's and the women's you had different sponsors and therefore you cannot have competing uh, like for example if you have one clothing company that's a sponsor for the men's but not the women's then you can't just duplicate that so therefore the women's have to find a different clothing um person who's going to provide that stuff so like i understand why there's a difference but like i'm i'm mad that people are like well you should be happy you get anything and it's like okay like you could be happy we are playing sports right now. You know, you could always those, go down the rabbit those people, hole. Those people like, who go, go get COVID, like, just, you know, stop <laughs> I don't wait. Okay. That's what you said, not me. <laughs> but it's just, it's just frustrating when I feel like whenever female athletes try to advocate for themselves, it's always like, but what about this and this? But if a male athlete does it, it's like, yep, totally. We get that. We understand your argument isn't perfect, but like, we get what you're saying mm-hmm. versus like, when women advocate for themselves, it's always picked apart. And it's like, well, what about this situation and this factor and this factor? And it's like, well, yeah, duh, of course. Like that's, that's life. Like shit is not so straightforward, but like there's no benefit of the doubt when other, whenever female, it's the same thing as the calendar we talked about, you know, people are like, well, you should be thankful you're playing totally. But that doesn't mean we can't have opinions and feelings about something that we're being forced to do that doesn't like one does not eliminate the other and vice versa you know it's just like it's a constant battle of like "Mm, it's frustrating it's really frustrating yeah i i agree like for me uh, it just i want to see someone in north america like fully invest into a women's sport league and like see what happens like i i think if you start anywhere you need to start with women's volleyball or women's soccer and really like go mm. after it like those are the two biggest sports and like like i, I enjoy the the WNBA, but i don't, like you know like i enjoy for example like i enjoy watching women's volleyball sometimes maybe even more than men's volleyball just because of like the rallies and, and oh and, i definitely prefer it yeah know? like I, for me the rally length and it's just a di- it's a different game men's and women's volleyball is just so drastically different in terms of a bunch of things but but like, like yeah. for, in canada like like for one of the biggest things that i i look at is like why the cpl is a men's league and not a women's league like there is no reason what is cpl the cpl is the, I don't canadian, even know what that is. The, the canadian soccer league the canadian Premier oh, okay. league yeah, yeah um yeah and like when you look at the fact that like who the athletes that they're getting for the cpl 
and like where where they're where they're playing and stuff like that like there's no reason that we shouldn't have a, a, a women's soccer league like we're talking about yeah. like you sport athletes like when you look at like the, the like how uh, soccer athletes would break down like the top would just go to europe then the next yep. would go to the ncaa mls and then so like once you get to the athletes who are playing you sport we're talking about like the third tier of athletes whereas like if yeah. we had a women's soccer league we'd have women who were playing on the national team starring for those programs in communities yeah. where there's more women's soccer players than there are men's hockey players so why the fuck do we not have a women's like cpl program like that to me is like like and not to mention yeah. if you want to talk about about money the women's world cup made more money in canada than the u21 men's world cup that came a few years before it like like yeah. from ticket sales so like yeah. you can't make the argument that we shouldn't have like women's soccer in, in canada for example well, yeah and and the u.s soccer situation i always find really fascinating because they crazy they yeah because the u.s women's team is one of the most well-known national teams of any national team in america but same with for, like a canadian like i like i like same with the like but compared comparatively they i feel like the women's team is always used as a poster child being like wait hold on hold on like your men's team is terrible <laughs> like really not good but your women's team is sitting in the freaking white house right now having a talk with the vice president about equality you know they have some pull power so in terms of like funding women's sports like there's this argument that there is not a viewership for women's sports and that is just so false it's so false and you it's so clear in the usa soccer programs more clear than almost anywhere else about how there is viewership for the women's team 100 percent. so that argument is just invalid it's crazy oh yeah I, I i i mean i agree we're 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 preaching to the same choir right now so that's, yeah that's, we are that's kind of why you know like i i that's part of part of why i i wish I guess it's selfish that I wish like the athletes unlimited was more because like, I go want to see I want to start seeing that being impl implemented here in in North more America. as in like bigger more more athletes more no just everything just, just more legitimate that like we know that there's going to be a next season because as of right now is there any any guarantee right like there's no there's no teams that are advocating like there's there's you know it's just this one entity so say something mm -hmm. happens maybe we lose it for next year like there's no there's no guarantee there right um yeah and like to be perfectly honest i don't see this being i don't see athletes unlimited being around in 10 years in as really in, in being the, that. in being the top league i just don't it how like like you you said it like how much your family loves liverpool right yeah. you watch liverpool before you watch soccer yeah right you can't do that with yeah. athletes unlimited. Right? I don't know. Like, I, and, I, and, I, and that's I and that's the thing for even with men, it's it's like sports is much more of an emotional choice. It's I love this team, you know. Mm -hmm. I it's 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 national pride. It's regional pride. It's what this team represents for me. And yeah, it's it's. I think that's a factor for sure. Like that's part of what, like big institutions like that's why the NCAA is successful. That's why like, you know, Michigan football, like that's a big deal, you know, and people have been in love with Michigan football for their entire lives. 
and we don't like a certain state or a certain school that's like three hours away we don't even say it you know like that goes deep rooted but i do think with with the au stuff that something that they do have going for it is that a lot of the fans have a really big connection to a lot of the girls who played in the NCAA. Like there are cult followers of Jordan Larson and the big players that did play this season. So like, and Dilla Cruz, like for sure, like people are in love with her. So I think it's, it's, I know what you're saying is that to have it be a, a long-term lasting thing that you need to have that sort of deep rooted connection with a team, not a team that's changing all the time and in a specific location. But I don't know, like what AU is trying to do is trying to change the system of how we view sports. So I, I don't know. I think it, I can, I think it still could work because you go on volley talk or some of the other volleyball boards, trust me, they are active about the AU stuff. Okay. Very high. Yeah. All, right, all the enough. same. Yeah, that's that's fair. Hey, maybe maybe you're seeing like a difference out of it than I am, and and it, like ultimately, if you're to tell me that like in ten years, like if you were to tell me that in ten years time, like women from Canada and the U.S. can still be playing in AU and still be making money, and, and it's still on Fox and still on CBC Sports yet, you know, like then fantastic, absolutely. Like I'm a, I'm so happy. That's the thing. I think I'm hopeful. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm I'm really hopeful. As I said before, it can only be a beneficial thing in my in my eyes. It can only be we want we want AU Pro Volleyball as volleyball fans to succeed. We want them to do as well as they possibly can, even if we don't even if it's different than what we expected or different how we would do it. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's creating viewership for volleyball I'm fully in support of absolutely no matter because it is only beneficial for the sport. It's only beneficial for female sports and viewership. So I, I really hope it is around in 10 years. I hope it's grown and evolved. And, and the thing with AU is that they do have softball and they are doing lacrosse. So, you know, there is a system behind it mm-hmm. and it does really seem like, from everything I could tell, you would obviously have to have Brian to talk about it more, but I plan to. It went, yeah, it went as good as they possibly could have expected, especially agree. under, mm-hmm. you know, like I they wish were- they hadn't played. I wish they hadn't played with Max the entire time, other than just the last week. And that that to me, that to me is one of the strangest decisions possible surrounding that because they were well, so like indicative of being like, we need to wear the masks at all time. Then finally, like ah, whatever, we're all leaving. Well. Oh, there was a reason I, I talked to Bree on uh, Thursday and it was because they had finally had a week with no COVID cases. So they were all deemed safe because at the very beginning, there was a strength coach who long story, he tore his Achilles like the first day, had surgery, got COVID in the hospital and actually brought it into the bubble. And then they had like one or two cases a week. And so they weren't able to. Oh, but so that's why whole, athletes were just dropping off <laughs> rosters mysteriously. Sometimes, yes. And that is their personal health business. I'm just saying I know there were some positive cases. That's fair. And so Bree was saying that this week was the first time that they had – the plan originally was once they entered the bubble, they could, after like the first week, have no mass. But if they they had continual cases until the last week, which is why they once they had a week that was – covid free they were deemed able to have no mass but the whole mass thing like in north america in ncaa um they're all wearing masks while they play overseas 
I've been, we, I'm remember I've been, I'm in a COVID COVID outbreak. We have been told we're not allowed to wear masks while we play. So there's masks are a touchy subject and still an issue. That's and like, fair. yeah. And I was Carrie McDonald actually sent me, I was talking to him about COVID and he said that the WHO is still not mandated or they said something about like exercise that you you shouldn't wear them or whatever, even though we've seen no medical proof that like wearing them while exercise is bad for you until, until WHO says, Oh, it's fine. You can wear them during exercise. Like each country, each federation is doing their own thing, which has been the whole issue. Everyone's doing their own thing with COVID. And so it's all just a big mess. So there's a reason for what AU is doing for sure. It's definitely seems like it. I'm fair enough. I mean, I, I hope that there's a reason. Um, I mean, now, now that I know that, obviously, there's, it's a different context than just showing yeah. up not wearing masks in the last week. But it's crazy how much of a difference it made in my enjoyment of watching the, the games, hmm. to be honest. Like, just really? seeing, oh, yeah. Like that one shot where Bree made that big block down the line and then she turned around and was like stoked about it. Like, yeah, yeah. that's just so much more like it was so much more compelling seeing their reactions on their faces. 100%. Yeah. It was. Brie said it. It also, once again, you have to have Brie on to tell the whole story, but she said it was also really difficult to run just to communicate, even with middle. She said they weren't running any audible plays at all. Like they would have to call, like, this is what you're running in serve receive. This is what you're running in transition because you can breathe, obviously, but it gets wet. Sound gets distorted. She's like, I just couldn't hear. And so, like, it, I'm sure it did affect the actual volleyball right like if you but can't call like, an audible even just in terms of like be, if you're gonna yell your mouth is gonna go wider and you can't do that if you're wearing the mask yeah it just like i can only imagine during a rally that goes like a minute long like or like you're you dive and you're you know it hits and it you know what a distraction like while we we're <laughs> during this outbreak we were you know we're possibly gonna play on sunday and so we're all like, oh, my God, we're going to have to play. We should play in masks. Like, what's that going to be like? What, which ones do we wear the N95? Or do you wear, like, the regular ones? Like, it was a whole big thing. So it's definitely a factor. But it will be interesting, like, to see what she says about how much it really made a, made a difference. Yeah, I definitely – I think uh, Bree should be the next uh... – the next w- yeah. women's national team member. I've been meaning to, to reach out with her. I just I owe to her and 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 uh, touch base with her. I haven't had the time, but now that she's she's done, I'm sure uh, she'll have a little bit more time to chat. Yeah, they've been pretty busy in the bubble. Like they have three days and then one off day, and then they redraft and reform their teams. Right, so there's there's lots to do in only three days. Yeah, absolutely. And then they play again. Yeah. So it's it seems like a crazy uh, a crazy schedule. I I think it's. I think it's a fun format, but I'm, I would like, personally, I would much rather, you would make some adjustments. You would make, I would some, make adjustments. some adjustments. And, but personally, like, like it still doesn't give us the option for, you know, um, whoever growing up here in Toronto to go down the street and watch Jen cross playing in a match, you know? And that's yeah. one of my biggest, like, I'd love to see something more, you know, like maybe there's a Toronto team in the future. You know, like I'd love to see some sort of professional volleyball where like, you know, of men's and women's where like you could physically go to a match 
right? Yeah. And and, and, and support it and 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 be real in in that way in in that way. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, if, if if this is what we've got, I'm more than happy to support and 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 watch what we've got now. And I mean, that's why, like, even if I wasn't actually going to be watching the matches, that's why it's important that I put it on the screen. Make sure that you know sure. we're getting those gotta numbers. Get you got to get numbers. the viewership numbers absolutely. One time, yeah. one time we actually went out to, to go to the sit of the park and have beers with some friends, and I may have just left it on the TV and left it on my laptop, absolutely. just just going. Um, but yeah, you know, I I still think that I think long term growth. I think you know I would love to see a potential club system. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we could have like a relegation like club system in North America, where it's just like we could have like smaller. Ever, where with... are you getting this money to run this well, situation? Well, well, I'm not talking about money. You know, like there's oh. going to be a, a, a solar flare. It's going to just destroy the entire oh, financial gosh. system, and then we're going to start back from no, scratch. A singular boat is going to destroy the entire system, and everything is just going to. Everyone's just going to freak out and lose $10 billion a day because a boat, a boat got blown laterally. And then, and then thankfully the moon decided to raise the tide high enough that it's now buoyant again and floating and everything's fine. It's fine. No big deal. Oh, man. Uh, do you want to talk about conspiracy theories? That's, that's where there's some... I also think I have a package that's on one of those boats. I am convinced my package was supposed to get here today. It is delayed. It says it is in transit. I am 100% well, convinced I mean, it is on a boat. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, that entire, like, like yeah. there's, like, they're going to be doing it for the next, like, three days, like, day and night to get all of these boats through. So, yeah. But, oh, like, man. there was livestock and they had to bring vet, like, oh, the just, the memes, though. Like, there hasn't been a great, internet moment in a while but suez canal that was that was some funny funny shit going on definitely one of the best well i don't necessarily know how we made it to talking about the suez canal um but it's been two two hours and 40 minutes um have have you been a little lonely in quarantine i mean yeah but like i go to get my covid test every day so that's like my gotta get my uh my nose poked but so far, it's been okay, but we'll see. Hoping if I get it one more negative, I should be free to roam. But I don't know. The plan is for me to stay in Europe. I'll, like half the team is staying in Europe. The other half are coming from Canada um, before we do camp in Italy. So I'm just going to be hanging out in Istanbul for like a month, I mean, which isn't the worst place to hang yeah, out. I feel like that's pretty kind of ideal. Like you get to just- you know like and just be a person and not just an athlete yeah yeah maybe i'll go on uh, some boat trips like i did in the summer like you know just just enjoy life for a month before everything goes crazy again yeah well that that sounds a lot of fun how much longer than you got in your season are you guys done now with the covid stuff well we might be forfeiting the rest of season yeah that's kind of figured yeah we're supposed we're playing a series against emily maglio's team Mm -hmm. We were supposed to play Sunday, but we had to forfeit 3-0. And then the plan was to play the second match on Thursday up until like this morning at 10 when we had a seventh positive case, which um, we no longer have enough outsides to play. We only have one outside. So we have one outside, outside, two middles, uh, one of their medical is their personal business. So if they want to post about it, they can, but... We have one outside remaining. I'm very careful about people's medical business. No, that's what I'm saying. That you could, they want to say they have COVID. 
Oh, I could no, but we only have two middles. Benjo, uh, Ben texted me that he's like, you can just play, and I was like, we only have two middles. Play beach, you can pass. I know, but who's gonna play middle? We have no one else to play middle. I don't know. Well, that's that's crazy. That's that's a crazy I, way. I would, I would play outside in a heartbeat. Like I would do it, and I would have a blast and kill it. I I would just go like, I'm a. I'm a good defender. I am a solid passer. I would just go ham and hit high hands every I, I would love it. I would have a blast. I know I know what to do against to score against Emily. You know? I would know what to do. <laughs> Watch your fingers, Emily. I'm coming for you. I'm just kidding. No, we don't need but, that. Not before VNL, please. That's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. VNL, more important than VNL. me playing playing amazing as an but, outside but for I mean, like, a club. If if your last game of the season with Yesel Yurt was winning the Challenge Cup, like that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, that was a really I think that's awkward why... little thumb I gave you. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I'm like not upset because like it's almost comical at this point. Like we've gotten COVID four times, and like as you said, like if season has to end without playing playoffs, then winning a Sev Challenge Cup is not the worst way to go out, you know. One so I think we did. Yeah, and like we had a party celebration, even though that's how COVID got spread around. But like we had super spreader event together. Yeah, but like we had it. The girls must have had it before then, which is the interesting part. Like whether Blage gave it to us or or even it, it could have been before then. We don't know. So crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's all right. We'll figure it out. All right. Well, Jen, that was that's like officially the longest podcast in a while that's uh we're coming up we're, uh, we're coming probably up. the longest since the last time you and i did a podcast because last time we did a podcast it was also like three hours long this this does tend to happen this is this is this is correct um it does tend to happen so yeah well that was dinner it's nine o'clock i got i gotta go make dinner i gotta go eat yeah i was uh, supposed to be starting to another podcast at two and it's now 217 so uh, sorry, five one VB. I'll, I'll be with you soon. Uh, but dude, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with me. Uh, it's great to hear that you're healthy first and foremost. Like I think that's the most important. People die from COVID, yeah. so let's remember that. You know, um, congratulations on what was a great season. But I know it was also a great season for you, given that maybe things personally weren't going the greatest. Um, I do want to give yeah. a big shout out to your brother as well too. Um, I know that was a big moment for you this year. Um, I saw that yeah. he gave you a great, nice little shout out when you won this, when, when you won the challenge cup. And I, 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 you know, thought that that was, was special too. Um, so yeah, I'm yeah. just really happy and proud of that. You, you know, were able to persevere and kill it this year, the way that you did. Thank you. Yeah. It was by far the hardest year for me personally with all my family stuff going on. Um, but yeah, it's, it went well. It went as good as it possibly could have under all the circumstances. So, yeah, I'm thank you. Well, I'm really happy. That's great. And you know what? Take some time off in Istanbul. You deserve it. And then let's go thank to you. Italy and kill it in the in the bubble because as we've talked about profusely today, I'm very excited for what this women's national team can do not only this year but in the the, the years to come and I think that your impact um, will be very long lasting both on the court and off the court. So I'm glad that you're going to be there with them. Thank you. Awesome. Well, guys, um, thank you very much for, for listening today. 
it was a long one. We're over. We're almost at two hours and forty-five minutes right now. But uh, yeah, if you were watching this on YouTube, you can check this out on on Spotify. Uh, make sure to subscribe for for more of these chats. And Jen, thank you very much. And we'll maybe we'll have another one when the roster's released and we can talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, thank you very much. Have a good one. Peace. Bye.